0: WDRS Talk is made possible by the Anchor app. If you've never heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's absolutely free and allows you to make your own podcast on your phone or on your computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can make money from your podcast as well without a minimum membership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So, go and download your Anchor app for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today.
1: You're listening
0: to the Wolf's Den Radio Show Talk. Hey, brothers and sisters, welcome to another episode of WGRS Talk, the Wolf's Den Radio Show Talk. And uh, this is your host and your brother from another mother spreading some cosmic love wherever I can, Wolf Hemora, here with you. And I want to thank you for uh, joining me once again for another great episode of this humble podcast of mine. It is uh, episode 28 and uh, the third episode of season two. And um, uh, if you hear any background noise, I apologize about that. Uh, I'm just parked here in our local... um, How would I say this? Recreation center slash uh, YMCA city thing. (laughs) You know, they have a soccer field. They have a baseball field. You know, they got a gym. I don't know what you call that. uh, Community center. Anyway, I'm parked here. I am about to go on a three-mile walk, which I uh, try to do as much as I can um, almost every day um if i'm not doing anything after work i I take my walks and uh and uh yeah it's helped me a lot and i do want to recommend that you uh get some exercise yourselves if you're uh, bored at home even just 30 minutes of walking around the block man that's going to help you out and um i just wanted to uh also with that because we are still in a pandemic a very um and with the delta variant going around um, it is very important to uh, boost your immune system you know um, to not just uh, not just take the vaccine of course uh, take the vaccine um, uh, do not be afraid to take it and um, no your balls will not grow uh, swollen like the, the the cousin's friend of... Oh, no, the friend of Nicki Minaj's cousin. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that piece of news, but it's very ridiculous that, uh, yeah, this guy's uh, balls uh, got swollen, apparently because of the vaccine. Well, we'll never know. And uh, so anyway, uh, yes, boost your immune system, um, vitamin D, that's why go out for a walk, get some sun, Vitamin D supplements, zinc, uh, vitamin C, of course. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're into teas, green tea will always help. And uh, chamomile tea also boosts your immune system. So, so do boost your immune system, even though you have gotten the vaccine and it's just for your overall health and that, you know, and so you don't get COVID. And hopefully we don't get this fucking Delta variant going around. And uh, anyway, keep safe out there. Uh, wear a mask in crowded places. You know, I've been uh, watching uh, concerts. I and uh, the last concert I saw was Kiss in Irvine, and it was a great experience. Um, it was an outdoor show, and Kiss put on a really awesome show. And um, it's the first time I ever saw them, and it was great. But it was it got uh, pretty uh, hairy at the end. Because um, you know, suddenly thunder and lightning were was you know heard and seen on the on the horizon. You know from from the outdoor venue, and you could hear it. And it's like everyone's like, "What the hell, thunder?" You know, there's it doesn't rain in our area a lot at all. If it, it's a special occasion when it rains over here in Southern California, but um, yeah, it, it was a freak thunderstorm complete with thunder and lightning and it started to form right after gene simmons did his uh solo uh and his demon demon uh presentation you know his kabuki theater uh solo and uh they sang god of thunder and suddenly this fucking thunderstorm forms and they had to cut the uh concert a little short you know no more encore they just went straight to the last song which is rock and roll all night and everyone and it just started to fucking pour and i'm telling you man you know the rain here in southern california is not rain like in a tropical area but this thunderstorm it had raindrops bigger than raindrops in the philippines you know so it was it was such a freaky thing to happen at the kiss show and it didn't happen anywhere else it was only there <laughs> so anyway that was my adventure in my last show um uh like i said wear your mask I, I we would go and wear masks uh as the crowd would walk from the uh the parking lot into the venue you know security checks and all of that ticket and showing your ticket and going inside where I I wore my mask going in there, you know, just because you're walking in a crowd and you don't really want to be, uh, you know, a carrier, get it from someone. And even though I'm vaccinated, you know, it, I might pass it on to someone else. So when I'm in, in a crowded place and a lot of people are walking, huffing and puffing, you know, it's best to wear a mask. But anyway, um, moving on. Uh Episode 27, and it's going to be a film director. The first interview uh, of uh, WGRS uh, talk with a uh, film director, I think. Yeah. And uh, his name is Raymond Red. He's a Filipino independent filmmaker, actually. Um, and uh, he's done a lot of great great work, a lot of underground films, and and uh there was one film that i actually saw here in the states when it came out i think it was 2004 or 2005 and i saw his film called him papa wid and i saw it in in a theater you know in, in a local theater here and i was so proud i was with my sister and we were like yeah we're watching a filipino movie in the states and it's so cool and i know the director i know i know i i know the i know raymond red because he we had the opportunity to work together um, back in the Wolfgang days and he directed the music video of Mecham, which is on the last Wolfgang album or the fifth Wolfgang album, Black Mantra. Um, So you can check that out on YouTube. Mecham, M-E-C-K-A-M by Wolfgang. Uh, Watch the video. It's a cool video with um, a lot of miniature work. And that's Raymond Red directing that. And uh, we actually, um, we actually, um, uh, talk about that the production of that music video and, and a lot of stuff as well. We talk about movies and we talk about a lot about Citizen Kane, arguably the best uh, movie ever made. And 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 I never knew the reason why people say that. And he explained it to me, and it makes perfect sense. And, uh, uh, maybe not the best movie, but definitely up there. Um, uh, Citizen Kane. So anyway, yeah. And uh, so I hope you enjoy this one. And uh, before I, I I I play you the interview, I just wanna uh, let you know about some business. Thank you for your support. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Subscriptions always matter, as you know, with uh, with uh, algorithms on the internet. And uh, if you like the episode, please like the episode. If you're on spot, if you're listening on Spotify or on, or on uh, Apple Podcasts, please follow the, 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 the podcast uh, profile. And yeah, just give it a follow. And, uh, and also on, on anchor.fm, where that is the home base of WTRS Talk and a lot of podcasts, you can also show your support by uh, donating some money on that uh, website. Just uh, look for the support button. Go to the WDRS talk profile on anchor.fM and there is a support button that you can uh, press and uh, you can send me some uh, some uh, some uh, finances for uh, to uh, to uh, keep the equipment. Uh, up there and uh, if I do need new equipment uh, for the production of the show then I have some I have funds to get it from and there are a couple of people who are uh, monthly subscribers and monthly don- uh, monthly donors and I want to thank you very much for your support for your actual monetary support um, it, it means a lot so thank you and lastly, uh, please support my new band, my new project, my new music musical project called The Melodies. Uh, these is uh, spelled D E E S, D W E S, And uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, we are Melodies at Melodies 2019. Uh, on uh, Facebook, we are The Melodies. And give us a follow. We have a lot of content over there. We are working on... An, on, uh, on a couple of projects, a lot of uh, a couple of special projects with a couple of very special people who are helping us out. So stay tuned for that. Uh, there is a lot of music coming, a lot of a lot of, a lot of musical uh, content is coming from the Melodies. So I want to thank you guys for your support uh, so far. And if you're not following us yet, hey man, head over to Instagram and Facebook, give us a follow. All right, here we go. Episode 27, the third episode of Season 2 of WDRS Talk. This is your host, Wolf Hemara, and I am talking to Director Raymond Red. Enjoy. All right, Mr. Raymond Red, thank you very much for joining me. How are you, sir?
2: I'm good, I'm good. Surviving. Surviving. <laughs> Have you been vaccinated? Uh, yeah, well, I'm getting my second jab.
0: This week. Nice. How does it feel, man? Because I'm already fully vaccinated, thankfully.
2: I I, I really don't know. The, the first job I, I was I just was sleepy the whole day. <laughs> but oh, no okay. so that, that, was the effect, that was the effect for you. It was okay. So no, but I mean so
0: how I does I'm it feel it this week. I mean how does it feel after like more than a year, you know, for, like fifteen months? And finally, there's like light at the end of the tunnel, you know?
2: Yeah, well, um, I, I'm i not sure if we can already describe it as seeing light. I mean, mm-hmm. for the Philippines, you know, it, it it can be quite sad to think, you know, like we really envy the U.S. So I hear that uh, in the U.S., some cities or states are anywhere from, what, 70 to 90% vaccinated. And yeah those UK are the countries. those
0: would be those would be the um the more liberal states right right you uh, know i, I mean because that's the state. problem that's the big problem that happened here hmm. was that um when covid happened of course you know the last president of the us he just you know he didn't take care of anything he politicized it which is the the worst thing that he could have done so until now, there is that residue of it. Quote, if you talk about COVID and if you talk about masks, it's still political to some people. To to most people, it's like it was a disease. We have to get a vaccine to be protected from it. Let's do that. But there's you know some people who are on both sides or very extreme, you know, um, and uh, you know. So those 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 concert- the more conservative states. Have lower um, like vaccination rates. In fact, uh, today or yesterday, Joe Biden was like he mentioned that he wants to he wants to speed it up some more because there's a variant that's coming out that mm-hmm. it's already going around. <clears throat> so who, the people who aren't vaccinated and who have probably already decided that I I I don't want to wear a mask to begin with so i'm never going to wear a mask now because my state already lifted the mask mandate and they're not vaccinated so this new variant is going to get them because they're not protected whereas uh sorry for the long cuento but it's really it's it's really interesting what's happening and then on the other side of the coin so they're at risk because they're not vaccinated no but on the other side of the coin just today this uh this heavy metal guitarist uh matt Heafy, of this this band called trivium he got covid he was positive but he was fully vaccinated already he got and he got uh, he was positive and i think his father his brother or his father uh or no or someone he knew uh i'm not sure their relationship but uh, that person wasn't vaccinated, and he got COVID too, and he was messed up. But Matt Heafy, the guitarist, he he was like he described it. It was just like I had a cold, you mm-hmm. know, uh, like he said a tour cold. So I guess when you they're on tour and you get sick with a cold, you know, like that, a couple of days, and then he was fine. So that means he was vaccinated, and he was, you know, it wasn't as bad as the uh, the guy, the person who wasn't vaccinated.
3: So right. well yeah i mean it's pretty
2: much the same really all over the world and it's worse for the philippines you know i mean they're saying we can never really reach uh, true herd immunity
3: mm-hmm. but
2: it's still the best thing to do you know to get as many people vaccinated and and it, you know if i'm right I, the, the last report i read the philippines is only a, somewhere around 5 percent of the oh population that's terrible i mean the, 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 oh my gosh the same situation where the government is bragging about you know their actions and 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 their programs for responding to the crisis yeah. of the pandemic since last year and they were actually late in doing so and and we're only five percent so then even that five percent will be useless because you know, the, the, the new vi- variants may come out, so yeah, they're already here. Really, you know, it's really sad. Um, but you know, whoever is willing to have a vaccine, you know, everybody's trying to promote it and convince everyone else. So, I, I don't understand
0: yeah. the reason why they don't want to get it. They so that's is that what's happening in the Philippines? People
2: don't want to get it, right. Well, that's one thing. I mean, I I don't know the numbers. I wouldn't know right, right. how yeah, many yeah, people yeah. are thinking that way. But it, it could be a sizable number. But the other thing is that the the vaccines are not available. Oh they keep right. About getting this much vaccines, and, and the Philippines is really you know uh, the, slow down and out already with loans, international loans. Oh my god! The crisis and uh, get the vaccines and. And yet they're they're still trickling in, you know. They're very slowly coming in. It, it's 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 coming now, uh, this year, finally.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: the, the pe- more people are hopeful now, but uh, yeah, it, it's slow. It's very slow. Even the senior citizens who are priority, uh, I know a lot who are just beginning to get it this year. Oh so. my God! Yeah, if you're talking about five percent, I mean the, the, the Philippines the, is somewhere
0: around hundred fifteen million? 110 yeah. million? Uh, now. So, so, yeah. So, 5% is what? 50,000 people or something? No, no. no
2: uh, uh, close or? close to 5 million. Close. Oh, oh 5 million. No 5 million. <laughs> because we're somewhere yeah. around 110 or even 120 million now.
0: Oh, my, oh that's right. 5 million, 5 million. Oh, my gosh. And the- uh,
2: 5 million sounds a lot, but I
3: mean, 5%. Yeah. You know.
0: The way they did it here in California was very good. Um, they, they, every, they prioritized the seniors and the frontline workers, uh, police, firemen, You know mm-hmm. anything of that sort. They got those done right away in probably hmm, two weeks, I think. In two, two, three weeks, at least the frontline people were already done. Because, you right. know, there are more seniors than our frontline workers, no? So, um, and then in probably in a month or month, maybe four or five, six weeks, all the seniors were done. So when they finished with the seniors, when they said, okay, when the most vulnerable people are, 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 uh, are, are, are good and then the, the frontline workers are good, then we can really concentrate on really getting everybody because there there's really there's there's still a lot of people out there here in America that I know that they don't want because of that uh the conspiracy theory that vaccines create autism and all of you know and stuff like that which is untrue because all of all of adults now have been vaccinated when they were when we were babies you know those are the things that newborns and, and and you know young kids get is you know it's part of the language vaccine bahuna you know it's part of the, the yeah. language of life right <laughs> you know so um so yeah it's a weird time but and and so segueing into your you know uh your world my experience was is that I was looking forward to the new James Bond movie that was coming out in Easter last year. I was so looking forward because that was like, you know, I'm a a big movie fan. And then I like, I really like uh, Daniel Craig as James Bond. He's like, I think he's my favorite unless if they get Idris Elba to be the new one, then he's probably going to be my favorite because he's really badass. But right now it's Daniel Craig. And, um, I was really looking forward to it. And then the lockdown happened. And now the movie's not... It hasn't been shown yet. They're really waiting until as much as... As much people can get vaccinated so it can be shown in the theater. Because I've, I've been watching movies, but people are still wary about the whatever, you know. I've been watching in empty theaters. Mm. It's It's just probably... At the most, not even ten people. I've I haven't seen a movie yet with ten people in it, in the inside the theater room. So that's good. That's safe. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's right. You know, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this cool. is much safer." You know, um, but I have been watching movies. All the movie, all the all the movies that I have that since the theater started opening, I've seen, and it's 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 awesome. <laughs> It's awesome to see a movie in the movie theater. And, and uh, yeah, so uh, what was your, what were you doing right before the lockdown? Were you were you busy with something?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in 2019, it was a busy year. I was even traveling. And, you know, I, I even traveled with my son, Mikhail, you know, who's a really uh, popular director now. And we were, in fact, in L.A., in November 2019, we, uh, I was, in fact, just a chaperone. <laughs> I was uh, accompanying him to his meetings. He had meetings with uh, some Hollywood companies and they were exploring possibilities of doing co-production and stuff like that. And wow, I I was busy. Um, you know, I haven't done a full length film in a while. My last film was in 2015, but I've, I've been uh, busy. I'm, at that stage, I'm being invited as a... Uh, judge, juror in film festivals and um, yeah. different institutions. I do uh, talks and seminars. And so I, I was quite busy then, in um, then early 2020. Uh, there were a lot of plans. I, I'm i at the stage where uh, I, I'm making efforts of uh, restoring, uh, digital, digitally remastering my own films. You know,
0: oh, that's cool, that,
2: man. Uh, yeah. And, and like secure... Yeah. whatever my legacy is. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. early short films and uh, my, my feature films made in the 90s and so on. So I was at that stage and then uh, also teaching, you know, and then suddenly, yeah, suddenly there was a lockdown in March. Mm-hmm. So it's a totally big change. But, in, I mean, even before the pandemic, there's a lot of talk about how cinema was already changing. I mean, you can read News from Hollywood and and, and big companies transforming, merging, or or
0: yeah,
2: out and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: there's no more, Mm -hmm. there's no more 20th Century
2: Fox. (laughs) That's true. I mean, it it was really obvious already that cinema as a whole, as a business, as an industry, and even as an art form, you know, was really changing and is moving. Sorry. Uh, moving towards uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've always said this to my students even more than a decade ago. Uh, the mainstream, you know, the term mainstream is always referred to the, 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 the theatrical cinema, the mainstream cinema. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, you know, theatrical cinema is not the mainstream anymore. You know, it's going to be literally streaming. So yeah. <laughs> mainstream became uh, streaming. And, and the pandemic uh, kind of like really, you know. Yeah. Put down the gavel on it, that, it and uh, it, uh, it put, proved the theory. Yeah. Just so, and then people have become accustomed to it. So, you we you know we don't really know where it will go even after the pandemic, but uh, it, it's become the main yeah. thing now. And and theatrical cinema, as as you've described, you know, I miss it. I haven't been ba- uh, in a theater. For over a year and a half now, so, yeah. so it, it, and I've always believed in that, you know, uh, that uh, that is classic cinema, I've always believed in, in, in it as almost as an art form, that the viewing of movies on a big screen in a darkened theatre, you know, it's a totally different, immersing experience. And, and I don't know how, how that's going to pan out eventually when this pandemic is over. But right now you can see that the business is really shifting and and moving towards uh uh, home viewing and and streaming i mean everybody can argue that the quality uh, wouldn't really be an issue eventually i mean people would have more money or, or or the technology becomes cheaper everybody can probably set up a home theater with a big screen 4K, oh, yeah. 8K eventually in the future with Dolby around and what, what have you, you know, but, right. um, but I always argue it's still a different, uh, it, you know, it's a different event. It's a different experience when you're somewhat communing, you know, with other viewers in a large theater. And, and I always ask my students, what, 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 what is really the biggest difference uh, with watching, let's say, at home? Even if you argue, okay, let's put aside the issue of quality. Let's say, let's say you have an eight K projection home theater at home, mm-hmm. you know, with the excellent uh, surround sound and you know all the all the tech. You can even have popcorn and cinema seats and right. All that. But there is one very, very really big difference that actually pertains to the arts, art of cinema and the way you watch it. And a lot of times they, they, they couldn't figure it out because they become accustomed to this, and especially younger people. They, they, you know, they're the generation of uh, streaming and the they're internet. Streaming. So right. you couldn't really think of it. And, and I always say the biggest thing is control. When you're when you're watching a movie in a cinema, you absolutely have no control over it. That's and then they, they, they find that funny. They find that funny because why the hell would control be an issue? I mean, isn't that great that you can rewind or pause or you know, but <laughs> you think about it. I I've yeah. been teaching them film. We start from creating concepts, writing scripts. From the script stage, the, the, the writers, you know. Put so much effort in pacing the story, in structuring a story, in in thinking that the, the character should be developed at this point, and a new conflict comes in, and at halfway through we're seeing this, and then there's yeah. a final. You know, it, it, cinema is temporal; it's it's confined within time yeah. and space. You know? yeah. And and then when you're shooting it, you, the directors take so much pain. And thinking about how he's going to pace that, then comes editing. Look at all the effort that uh, the artists put in uh, um, securing the, the the way scenes will come out, the sequence they'll be seen, the things that will be revealed in such and sh- such a time. It's 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 designed to be that way. Meaning, it needs to be seen that way. And then suddenly people will just watch it on their phone and pause it. Oh, my God. That's the worst <laughs> thing <that> they watch. <laughs> so, that is the worst. So I the even people. argue Netflix in a way was a, no, that was is, a for me. But it's convenient, but um, – and and they, they, they will always argue that's that's not true. We, we can watch movies in Netflix and really love it and appreciate it. I'm not questioning the fact that you can appreciate it. I'm mm-hmm. just arguing that I will bet you would have appreciated better if you saw it on the big screen continuously from beginning to end. Yeah. So there's no way of knowing that now because everybody's watching it on on their TV at home. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I think that's why I was in an empty theater
0: because everyone just got used to watching it at home. So the last the last film film that I, I watched uh a week ago was uh F9 the, mm-hmm. the, the the latest Fast and Furious. Oh my god. Dude if you, if you can afford to recreate that sound, that sound system that in that theater that I was in to watch that movie, then great if you can afford it. But not everyone can afford a sound system like that. So it's, it only costs $13 for that experience. That's what these kids are not getting. It's the experience. They get the movie. They get the film. They appreciate the art. But the experience of sitting in a theater, like you said, you have no control. And this has happened to me. There were, there, I was, I'd be watching the film, and I'd, I'd, be, I'd space out some, some, somehow and miss something. And then I would, like, my impulse would be to grab a remote control and rewind it. But <laughs> I'm in a theater. So like you said, I have no control. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to pay attention. I can't space out because I can't rewind it.
2: So yes, then, I, I, I make it clear that I'm, I'm not against the technology. I, I enjoy right, yeah. watching film as well. And I mm-hmm. binge watch even YouTube, uh, short videos, documentaries. And it's, it's yeah, great. Yeah.
3: There's yeah. this convenience
2: for us, but sometimes I think, you know, real art of cinema was never meant to be convenient.
3: <laughs> that's
2: how I argue it. Um, that, that, yeah. It's not really a joke. It's, it's, it's a different attitude when you're investing yourself in the movie.
0: Yeah. You know, when,
2: when you, you commit to it. You commit that I will be there at uh, 7 p.m. because it starts at 7 p.m. Uh, yes. You sit there and you let the movie absorb you. And there's nothing you can do about it. My argument there, that my, my more, um, you know, aesthetic argument is it, it's life. It's the closest thing to life. You can never pause or rewind life and, and that's how you experience it because you know that this is going to happen only once in front of me you know? and, mm-hmm. and I need to focus and, and be absorbed by it yes. so it's a different uh, um, you know, sense of uh, appreciating it whereas e- even though people will say no when I watch Netflix I, I watch it from beginning to end. I still think it's a different attitude, you know, when you're like lying down in your sofa, so relaxed and looking at the, at the movie. Whereas you, when you're in a theater, it, it, it's it's a different engagement and a different yeah. investment, as I say. You invest as a viewer. Yeah. So that that experience will be lost if we. So in in saying this, I'm I'm not saying that all of cinema should be like that, and all I'm saying is um, I'm accepting that the trend, I'm accepting the technology, I'm seeing. Accepting so the realities that this pandemic has presented us, and and uh, cinema is changing and transforming, and and I'll accept that. You know, I'll I'll have to adapt to that. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, I hope we don't lose that um, form of a uh, uh, classic cinema viewing.
1: Yeah. It
2: may become the the alternative already because it's not the mainstream, so it's an alternative form of viewing. But I hope it it. it it doesn't totally disappear so that you, we have a choice as viewers. Yeah. To,
0: yeah, to yeah. 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 I mean, moments. yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I really enjoy going, watching a movie in the theater and well, because, you know, that's how my life was, you know, I was not a streaming kid, you know, I'm, I, I know how to stream now. I enjoy streaming too, but I would rather watch a movie in the theater. If you, if I had a choice and, and a good example of us is that I saw this, another new movie that just came out. I, I watched it last night. Um, it's the, it's a new film of uh, Steven Soderbergh. And um, it's here. Um, it's an, I was doing uh, research on your IMDB and it's actually the banner of IMDB now. Uh, oh. what's it, it's uh, it's here, No Sudden Move it's with Don Cheadle and uh, Benicio Del Toro so I saw that last night it was a cool movie um, but somehow in the middle I got bored um, I got bored or I got distracted so I stopped the movie and you know, I was like ah, I'm not feeling the movie, so I stopped it so I had control. So it's like, and then after a while, it's like, you know what? If I wait till tomorrow again to watch this, I won't feel it. So I, I started it again and I, you know, paid attention. So that's the thing, you know, that's the thing of viewing it at home. You have control. So somehow it's like, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think if like movies like The Godfather or, you know, saving, well, you know, not saving Private Ryan, but um, like really long, dark, uh, heavy dramas would fare today, you know, mm-hmm. like um, like like that 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 film, that last film um, of De Niro and uh, Joe Pesci and uh,
2: no, Irishman. Yeah. Yes,
0: yes, that was. Yeah, I, I saw
2: that on on the big screen because we oh, happened really? to be there. We were in LA in November, 2019 and it, it, it premiered then. So oh. I caught it on the big screen, I
3: made sure to watch it. and I, Oh, that's so cool. I enjoyed and it. And I enjoyed
2: I, that. then yeah. there was a mixed feelings, of course, uh, reactions from friends who saw it uh, streaming and, you know, they had different opinions. But I said, uh-huh. I don't know, I, I actually enjoyed it. I I, I it well because I'm also a big fan of uh, Scorsese. Maybe that helps a lot. And, yeah. and so I was really paying attention. So it had mixed reviews, I know, but yeah, having that experience in the theater, I, I really liked the film. Oh yeah, man! I mean,
0: so, um, you know, I would love to see The Godfather in the theater. If they if they have a special day or special night to do it, I'm there, you know, mm. because I'm sure it's 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 so much different from watching it on on. Even if you have a 75 inch screen, it's still nothing compared to the movie screen, you know?
2: I, I saw um, the Godfather on the big screen in the late seventies, because I was too young when it first came out. But in the um, late seventies, I was in high school, sometimes 78, 79, 79, I think. And it's back then, you know, when, when there's a rerun in theaters, uh-huh. in Manila, we it, hey, there's a revival of. Godfather, and I really made sure to oh, run wow. out and watch it in the theater, and that was extremely memorable experience for me because I was very young, I was in high school, and and I yeah I, I saw the classic Godfather. It was already a, a seven year old classic by then. Oh wow!
0: So 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 the Godfather in the Philippines, it was was it received? Was it shown in seventy two?
2: From what I remember, yes, it was supposed to be a big hit. I remember my my older brothers already comparing the movie with the novel.
0: Oh wow! I
2: wasn't into it yet. Of course, I was young and I wasn't reading the novel or so. But I, I keep hearing, you know, them talking about it. That's why when I heard about the revival, I made sure to watch it. What what theater did you watch it in? I think it was in Quad, in Makati. I, I met up with my friends, high uh, school friends, and we all watched. And, and if you remember in, in, in Manila then, there was a, um, there wasn't, I think there was already a rating in cinema, but it, there was a very basic rating back then. And they just simply called the movie For Adults Only. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, would have this big sign outside the movie. So yep. for adults means was it eighteen and above? 18, I, I yeah. forget the exact age. So yeah, in
3: 18, fact,
2: 18. we were too young to watch it. It was a four adults movie, but we wow. kind of you know just tried to stand tall and, and bought <laughs> our tickets, pretended to be eighteen. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may have been fifteen or sixteen then.
3: I did
2: they even check? Did they did they check your ID? No, there right. was no such thing. They just asked, Hey, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm 18, you know. I'm 18. Yeah, <laughs>
3: they, a movie, yeah.
2: wow, so anything like uh, sexy films and all yeah, that, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. People for adults only,
0: yeah, right, right, that's right. So, so, what was your reaction when you saw The Godfather for the first time?
2: Oh, I, I was really blown away. It, it was, um. You, you, you know, I, it was the first time I saw a film where it, it's ironic because now critics would say the Godfather was glorifying the, the, the mafia and, and, and violence and so on. But to a, a young person back then, especially, you know, I mean, we're now bombarded with so much violence. And, and, oh, yeah. And the material that shouldn't be seen by kids, you know, all over the, the internet. But yeah. back then, seeing that on the big screen, it, it, it really scares you. I mean, it, it's first time you're really scared of violence. I mean, seeing that that ambush of Sonic Corleone on the mm-hmm. freeway, on the tollway, toll booth, you know? Oh, the, yes. And, oh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah it's, it was so shocking, shocking for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you actually see this on the newspapers. I mean, it, and, you know, violent crimes and... and you would see some violent photos on the newspaper, but yeah. but seeing it dramatized that way on the big screen, it was
3: it was uh, different. It was yes. amazing yeah. and yeah, shocking. You know, and, yeah, and, because and it's the, so it was scares
2: you.
0: Yeah, it it was the way that he shot the um the way that he shot it, and then I think also the manner of how he was murdered you know, in the toll booth, you know, they were hiding yeah, and they yeah. came out and they just ambushed him. And then also the, the, the assassination attempt of Don Corleone
1: You're right in the yes, street
0: yes. when he was buying oranges, exactly. right? Yeah. The way they shot that, I think if you show that now to a young person, they'd be, I think they would be, still be affected because it's the way that it's shot. Right, you know, right. it, it was shot
2: from the top, I think, right? When they were shooting Virtual it. Like, language, yeah. 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 And, and then and, it's very important, yeah, the, 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 the power of cinema and the, and the yeah. language, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's why The Godfather is still referred to by, you know, by many uh, filmmakers today and inspired by it. I mean, to some it may look uh, dated and they can always argue that, but uh, a lot of cinema today was uh, anyway inspired by these older films. Of course. Just as much as Coppola himself admits he was inspired by uh, the the gangster films also in the 1940s and even earlier.
0: Do you you still or did you ever appreciate the black and white films? Because for me, uh, it's very hard for me to follow the story if it's a black and white film like if gone silent
2: films or
0: no 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 uh like like no films with, uh, with, with sound like film noir yeah, like, 30s, yeah you know? noir yeah <laughs> film noir and uh yeah the, like from the from the 40s you know and 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 even maybe even the early 50s like the Marilyn Monroe stuff i mean of mm-hmm. course you watch a Marilyn Monroe movie doesn't really matter what the movie is because she's you're watching her right mm-hmm. you know i mean that's that's why they, that's why she's there you know to watch her but like the serious ones like uh like like when like uh, i hear this statement all the time that uh, citizen kane is the best film ever made you know and then when i start to watch it I, I just yeah. can't i just can't because it's either it's just too early in the game that the editing is not as as i would like it sometimes um yeah, and then the, it's the black and white thing. I just get, uh, I, 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 don't know. I think I get bored, or I get, I get hypnotized with the black and white. I don't see. It's hard for me to see the true, you know, the true color because there's only, you know, it's duo, duo tone. So, so how about you? What do you feel about that?
2: I, I, I can totally understand that um, because I, I, I teach film and um, a lot of my students, you know, of course, younger generation, millennials and Gen Z, uh-huh. <laughs> they, they find it difficult at times to appreciate these classic films. Um, the, the, the thing is, I, I, I got inspired by classic films very early on. The, the first film that really blew me away was Metropolis. By mm-hmm. Fritz Lang, which is a 1927 silent movie, but one of the earliest uh, science fiction movies, you know, right? Yeah, kind of a big, big production with visual effects and sets, and and I saw that when I was, I think I was only 13 or 14 years old.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, we
2: borrowed in high school. We borrowed a print, a 16 millimeter print from from the German Cultural Center, and showed it in in, in school. Mm-hmm. And I I was just blown away. We had no idea. We just read about it and that it was available uh, at the German Cultural Center in Manila. And so we thought, oh, why don't we have a a kind of a classic film screening? Let's watch
3: it. And
2: and we were blown away by that. And it opened my eyes, you know, because before that, before that, you know, as a 10-year-old, the greatest film made for you was Star Wars.
0: <laughs>
3: right. So,
2: you know, because you were obsessed by that. And then suddenly I didn't realize there was cinema like this, you know. And and, and so it, it, it opened my eyes to cinema very early on. Even though I had no idea or even uh uh any inkling I I may go into filmmaking mm. because I was talking to be a, a painter. Uh, ah. are, Arts, you, are, are you an artist? And, and are you a, are you a, paint,
0: a visual artist?
2: Um, not anymore. I, I kind of lost it because I, I was into painting all the way to first year college. You know, mm-hmm. I entered the College of Fine Arts. But but then I discovered filmmaking. I discovered cinema. And then I, I also saw Citizen Kane. I, I saw a really bad copy on, must have been even Betamax, not VHS. Uh-huh. But I was blown away by that. So why, do you th- so why do you
0: think? So why do you think critics cons- say that statement? Make that statement that it's the best film, the greatest film ever made. You know what? I, I,
2: what I always uh, tell um, my, my students is: you see, I, I look back at that time when I was getting interested into film and studying filmmaking and getting into film workshops. I realized I was not only into cinema, but I was interested in the history. Mm -hmm. I was reading a lot about the history. So I guess when I started watching these old classic films, um, I was watching it in the context of the time they were made, you see? So it brings a different level of appreciation for it, a different level of respect because you're looking at it as a, as, as a piece of history and you're not just watching it as, as a movie and take it in, you know, because I can understand how every viewer will develop his own tastes and likes, and, you know, and, uh, of, of genres and types of films and a kind of pacing you want. And, and, and I can, I can respect that, you know, people will have different tastes, but I, uh, I was watching those films really with, with that in mind that I was looking not only as a cinema, a story, a visual story unfolding before me, but I was looking at it as, as almost like a documentary of cinema about cinema, meaning I was looking at it as history. Right. And so I'm trying to recall, Oh, they, they did it this way because back then mm. they didn't have, you know, let's say zoom lenses yet. or Yeah back then the, the you know the cameras were like this and that yeah i was reading about it because i was into photography as well mm-hmm. i was studying painting but I was studying photography so so that kind of really helped me in my appreciation. so, so there's, that's one of the best things i think i share with my, my students you know try to watch a film an old film to be fair to it you need to to watch it at the context of the time it was made because it, it it, it really opens your mind to, to uh, you know, a deeper appreciation of it. Because if you, you remember, you know, like Citizen Kane was done in 1940, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 41, just before uh, America got into World War Two, you know. Right. Things like that. I mean, the movie is not about war, but you start thinking that way. Wow, uh, Orson Welles was making this film at a time when the world was about to explode into explode. world into war,
1: yeah,
2: and uh, uh, Orson Welles was only twenty five years old. Wow, you know, like this, so so that blew me away because he aged in that in that film, you know. And so I started looking at it more closely and how how he shot it and how he structured it. And, in fact, I will admit when I first tried to watch it, because they are saying, you know, it's become a staple of film students, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you have to watch Citizen Kane. It's the greatest movie. So, so even I was kind of apprehensive about oh, why do they have to shove it down our throats? You know
3: yeah, okay. <laughs> Why do
2: they have to watch it? Because the, the film scholars say so. Yeah. So I was kind of um, having that attitude when I first saw it. And in and, and, and my first viewing, I didn't finish it, I will admit. Because it started with that news reel. In the beginning, if you remember, it started with this newsreel, basically out, uh, uh, telling the story of the life of uh, Charles Foster Kane, the main character.
1: Yeah.
2: And I thought, wow, this is such a boring film. It looks like a documentary. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Didn't even finish it. The, almost the first fifteen minutes is like that. Uh uh-huh. But when you get past that, you realize what this movie really represents. You know, that that the story of that this man is represented in that newsreel and that uh, the news people were thinking it's lacking something. That's why the story of the movie is they go out and try to interview all the people who were uh, in the life of uh, Charles Foster Kane, and they piece together this puzzle. So that that is the main story. So the story is actually not about Charles Foster Kane, in a sense. The story is about a group of people trying to discover the truth about the life of this man. Ah. <laughs> so it, it, it's like a mystery story, right? Going on to find the truth, you know. And in the end, you know, as a spoiler for those who, who are watching this and not haven't seen the film, in the end they they don't find everything, and they they, they miss a very important piece. Well, I, I okay, I, I won't spoil it for anyone who has else. <laughs> But that's very important, that, that powerful yeah. ending where right. you realize there's always a piece you know, of, of, of truth that you may never find, you know. And, and, and you know, the, the, the movie entered that sign, no trespassing. It's almost like yeah. saying you can never trespass in, in the life, in the private life of a person. So the, the, to me, it was so symbolic,
3: you know. and. and
2: it was just fantastic. And then I'm a cinematographer and photographer. So the, the black and white cinematography for me it was very powerful, you know, because it yeah. plays with contrast, shadow, and light, and, and all that. And that's why, even without the color, it, it was so powerful for me. Ah,
0: uh, okay. Well, now that you put it that way, <laughs> Maybe you, you can know,
2: try and rewatch it. Yeah, now yeah, I, it
0: yeah. Enough. I will. I will. I'll give it another chance. You know, but 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 you I mean, think like in the context what, of the time it was being made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you just what you said uh, about um, it being no trespassing, and it's like you can't know everything about anyone. That really doesn't, <laughs> especially here in America, dude. Mm-hmm. where the surveillance, the way the the FBI surveils this, the citizens of this country. I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. This is in mm. the news. People know this, the true, surveillance. Yeah. Because, you know, they they, um, they hide behind the Patriot Act. That's what it's called, the Patriot Act. They did that after 9-11 so that they can surveil who would be or suspected terrorists or whatever. But, of course, now they can do surveil anyone and just say, well, you know, we think he's a terrorist or whatever. There's no more privacy now, especially with the cell phones, man. Nothing. I mean, TVs you know.
2: Yeah, there's, there's, CCTVs all around. I mean, the UK started. Oh yeah. Early, and it was a big issue back then about privacy and all that. But, but generally speaking, it, it it's, it's actually helped more on the possibility really on the positive side, you know, in solving crimes and stuff yeah. like that. But I, I, I can totally understand the issue of, uh, of uh, invasion of privacy, with yeah. All the CCTV cameras surrounding you wherever you go. If they want, it, it, it all,
0: all it, all, it, um, it all boils down to if they <laughs> want to trip on you, you know. If you, if you like, let's say, like, let's say, if you start becoming a radical in public or whatever, and really loud and automatic. That's automatic. They're gonna surveil you. They're gonna look at right. all your records, your driver's license, whatever. You know, when you get a driver's license, that's it. You're in the system, you know. You know, if you get a passport, you're more you're in the system of the world. You know, anyone can track you anywhere if you have a passport, right? So right. so so yeah, I mean that's the I guess that's why when people watch it especially nowadays when they see that, that ending that no trespassing is like, hey, you know, that that's, that's long gone. You know, there's a realization that.
2: The,
3: the truth, you know,
2: it, sometimes that's what um, appeals to me. See the fact that uh, it's, a, it's a very different world now. Yes. And yet the, the, the issues that were being tackled by these older films actually relate to us so much because it, it shows us the roots of those issues. Yes. And that's why I always, I, I'm, I'm really into nostalgia, you know?
3: That's why yeah. I like
2: old films, classic yeah. films. And I've, I've been inspired by these older films, really, in in, in making my own films. In fact, I, I made a silent film uh, called Camera Obscura in 2012. Uh, it right. was in the Cinemalaya Film Festival. Uh, it was really inspired by silent cinema. And, and one of the things that uh, really... Uh, um, inspired me and and made me uh, push me to make that film is the fact that we've lost most of our cinema. I'm talking about Philippine cinema. We've lost Mm. most of our early cinema. Uh, There are no surviving copies or prints of our early silent era, you know, silent era in the 1920s and uh, 30s, you know. Damn. Um, Filipino cinema started sometime in 1917. Uh, when we say Filipino cinema, we're, we're referring to films, films made by Filipinos, you know, produced and by
0: produced by Filipinos. Because, wow. because
2: we were an American colony, of course,
3: in the 1900s, and,
2: and we we embraced cinema very early on, you know, yeah. even uh, when we were still a, a Spanish colony in the, the the late 1890s. You know, cinema was already here. There were film screenings in Escolta. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so that's the the. The birth of cinema for us because meaning it was brought here we were watching um, Spanish films maybe French films you know early silent cinema and then by the, the by 1917 Filipino the first Filipino company already uh, established themselves and started producing
3: films so a lot that? of that has
2: been lost you know In- was the first one Jose uh, Nimpomuceno, he uh, what's the name of the Malayan Malayan Pictures. He, his, pictures. he established his company in 1917. That's why we celebrate the centennial of Filipino cinema from 1917 to 1919. Because, uh, so, sorry, I mean, the, as the beginning. of, of uh, And we celebrated the centennial, yeah, a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, 2017.
2: Uh, well, it, it start, the celebration started uh, 2017 to, to commemorate that.
3: But they, oh. they say
2: 2019 is the key year because they they look at the year that the first uh, film by Jose N. the Dalagang Bukid, uh-huh. uh, uh, which was released in 1919. Um, right. It, it, there's an interesting argument to that, you know, with, with uh, film scholars here. Uh, one of my mentors, uh uh, Nick De Ocampo is a film historian, also a documentary filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, argues that it should be 1917 because that's when he established a company. And Hosenebo uh, Maseno was already making short uh, documentaries. You know, sh- he was practicing already with the, his first 35 millimeter camera, right. shooting short documentaries, just not a, not even a formal documentary, but but just documents of, of events, you know. Mm-hmm. Until he made finished the first feature film in
3: 1919.
2: Uh, so the you know Nick is arguing that we should celebrate it on 17 because how come world cinema is being celebrated with the with the earliest forms of a uh, you know short form cinema short films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the Lumiere brothers you know or the early uh, films of Edison and these were short form and a lot of them were documentaries you know they, they, they hadn't moved into dramatic narrative filmmaking yet okay. within a few years you know filmmakers right. started telling stories yeah but the earliest form of cinema was short and documentary so how come world cinema celebrated that way and we celebrated with, with a feature film
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: he, he argues that cinema is an all-encompassing word, you know, because we just got so accustomed to using the word cinema even to refer to the to the venue, the building, which is a, a theater. A theater, <laughs> a yeah, theme. right. It's, That's not the cinema. That's cinema a is, a, is, <laughs> is a, the mother of all the terms, you know. It, right. It basically refers to motion pictures, moving
0: yeah.
3: in it. That's what
2: literally yeah. it means.
0: Cinema. Yeah. You
3: know, it's so, like
0: it's like saying music. It's yeah. music and there's cinema, you know.
2: Yeah, so so, you know, glass is it's it's one of the earliest uh, art forms if you consider it an art. Of course, it was primarily a novelty back then and became a form of entertainment. But You're right, if you say it was also born as an art form, then yeah, it's only over a century old. Yeah, but, yeah. The, the point is that we should celebrate the early shorts of Jose Nepomuceno,
3: mm-hmm. which he
2: began in 1917.
3: How short, a, how, short a, it's, it's
0: those, how short are those films? Uh,
2: they, they, that, that's the problem. There they, are no surviving copies of these. There are only documents. Oh, they, oh my God. They were, they were I think they, the Dalagan book it only has photographs. Uh, oh, my God. There are no prints or copies. Uh, in fact, the oldest surviving films are from the 30s, 1930s, I, I believe, uh, that so far we found them. So, so yeah, that's why I, I, I kind of got into, to th- this, you know, uh, subject of, uh, reviving, <clears throat> sorry, restoring films. And, right. I mean, that's why I made that film comment of school, which was yeah. kind of a tribute to lost cinema.
0: Yeah. It, uh, it's, um, for me, when I, when I, when I, when I think of the Philippines, I, I, uh, there are parts. Um, well, maybe I'm just thinking of Manila because I don't know how other cities live. You know how they they run, but in Manila, there's no traditions, uh, stuff like that. They don't. It, it's like it's not important there, you know. And like, like what you're saying, those early, the earliest films of Filipino filmmakers. They're long, they're gone forever. They're gone forever. That's, and that's sad, you know. There's no, there's no point of reference where you can show a young kid who is, who lives in the slums and say, look at that movie. A Filipino did that back in this year, 1917. And then when he, when that registers to someone, it's like, wow. I mean, when I, when I just, when I, just spoken. It. It's very. I'm. I'm, j- I'm. just impressed already. You know, there was the earliest films, film make uh, Filipino films produced by Filipinos was in 1917.
2: That's that's early, man. That is like that's. <laughs> yeah. we had have a very really early history because we were colonized, of course. So right, yeah, yeah, get, yeah. You know, from, uh, cinema. Moving pictures were brought to Manila very early on in 1897, 1897. And know. these were
0: these were French
2: films, Spanish uh, films, the Spanish films, oh, Spanish French films. You know the the, the earliest uh, silent films. Uh, and then yeah, I mean we embraced it early on. And then of course the Americans were producing films here in the early 1900s. Until, yeah, Filipino was inspired to put up his own company. Wow, that's, that's awesome. awesome. And, of course, we, we kind of uh, developed our cinema pattern after Hollywood, you know, I mean, even the 30s, classic Hollywood films. But, you know, we had films in, in Filipino, in Tagalog. And, right. Uh, we started telling our own stories, of course. But but the, the tradition of cinema, the language, the way we shot films, it was highly influenced by Hollywood, and, and we kind of started copying that, even the business model, you know, and yeah, setting up big studios with uh, contract movie stars. Right, it, that's right. Started then, you know, because yeah, we, we were copying Hollywood, we we produced musicals and that's right, big sets, and and it, you know, it, it was really um, emulation of what was happening. And Hollywood.
0: we had our own, we had our own comedy duos. We had yes, our own Three okay. Stooges. We had our own, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, and in, even, in yeah, Hugo even, even everything, I think everything, because Filipinos love to copy Americans, you know, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, not, 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 these days because, you know, Filipinos copy from everybody now, not just Americans, mm-hmm. you know, but when they, when, when it was majority American influenced, you know, it's okay, just.
2: Okay. Very quickly, uh, oh. something just popped in my mind. It might be of interest to you. Go. When you go to YouTube, at one point, uh, try to search for. There are some uh, old films, copies. Some of them are not very good quality, but from LVN and these old. Films. Some of them have been posted on YouTube. Oh, okay. And I, I actually come, came across one called Combo Festival, 1958. Oh, shit. And it's not as old as uh, silent films, but it's interesting. Try to see it. Uh, wow. You know, some of the known bands at that time. The E-heads of uh, 1958. They were recorded? Uh, it, it's on YouTube.
3: You, wow. you can watch it.
2: Combo Festival. You, you okay. know, band, they they called bands Combo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Combo, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Nasa Combo yeah. ka ba? Combo Yeah, I remember. I remember when that. Combo. Yeah. Combo. Yeah. Try to find that. Combo Festival. It's it's great, it, uh, uh rock and roll in Tagalog. Well, they were also seeing some English, um, uh, you know, covers already
3: of, of yeah. rock songs in the fifties. Right, but
2: there are quite a few Tagalog original uh, rock and roll songs there. See, that was my that was my point.
0: Uh, that the Filipino, since the Philippines is like you know, um, strategically located where different cultures come and go, you know, it, it's a port. And, um, and then we, we really, whatever America comes out with, we come out with our own because we're so connected to Americans, you know, uh, to their, to their entertainment world, especially in, in cinema and in music, you know, right. yeah. in, in, in any era of rock and roll, the Filipinos, had their version of it until now mm-hmm. <laughs> until a, now whatever popular musician is out there now who that's young there is a, a Filipino counterpart too or Korean or I mean if it's from Korea or Europe whatever their influences are now there is a Filipino co- counterpart that's so interesting you
3: know yeah,
2: yeah. and and that's why you know like a band like Juan de la Cruz would be very big back in the early 70s you know they' They they were so original because they they embraced uh, you know the true spirit of rock and roll, but they sang it in Filipino. In they Tagalog. sang
0: in Tagalog, but, yeah.
2: But in a way, they, they were not exactly the pioneers. They're just one of the bands that really uh, made it big, you know. Yeah, in, yeah. In the media and then in, in publicity in the seventies. But like like I said, when you watch this uh, combo festival, you will see there there oh, were Tagalog wow. rock and roll bands already. Um, in fact, I I. I used one old uh, song from Ruben Tagalog. Uh, familiar, Ruben Tagalog is
0: yeah. a popular
2: singer from the fifties. He was mostly doing kundiman, you know, uh, right? Yeah, kind of romantic uh-huh. songs. But he he had one rock and roll song that I used in one of my early films in the eighties, uh, which, which was kind of a period film of the fifties. So I, I I found his uh, forty five record in we were able to, you know, get permission to use that, and nice. we used it. and yeah, I, I man. found that really fascinating. You know, that, we, that there was a lot of Tagalog rock and roll already back
0: then. You know, you know what? You know great what? Great music um, and film. You know what? I think is lacking right now and ever in Filipino films are soundtracks, mm-hmm. not even a good soundtrack, a soundtrack somehow. Um, don't get me wrong, the films are great on their own, but I think, I think, you know, because music always brings to that extra, that that next level in films for me, you know, for me, especially, be it a classical soundtrack of the Godfather with no pop music whatsoever Hmm. or on the flip side like uh, recently I watched this, the film Cruella, which is a great film. You got to see it. You have, if you haven't seen it, I th- it's really cool. It's a really cool film. And the soundtrack is awesome. It's all, um, it's all, it's all classic rock because of the era of the film. But when it comes on, you're like, yeah, I love this song, man. You know? And so it, enhance- it enhances the movie. And I think um, right. that, um, I think Filipino films should really do a lot more like that, a lot more classical music soundtracks, a lot more um, using pop music, mainstream music, or even underground music, whatever music, but it fits the scene, you know? Like, like I'm a huge fan of Guy Ritchie, and the soundtracks are just amazing though, that he uses in his films, you know, something like that. So I think that would be the last piece of the puzzle for me in mm-hmm. Filipino cinema in general, you know, to, you know, I even, think if it's, 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 even if it's a mainstream pop movie, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if, look at the movie Greece with John Travolta and, and Olivia Newton, John, the soundtrack's amazing, really? you know,
3: but like, it's, I mean, a bubble, it's a bubblegum really,
2: movie. I totally understand what you mean. I, I, I can appreciate exactly what you're saying. Uh, wherein a, a soundtrack really becomes iconic,
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, even if it were not a song, you know, it's, it's, it's a score, uh, it, it really sticks with you. I mean, that's the thing with the, the classic movies. And in the Philippines, it works only with usually with a pop song. And a lot of times the pop song is uh, really, you know, promoted and commercially really sung by a uh, big star, Sharon Connett or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And then usually the title of the song is the title of the movie. So that's a formula that, of course, works, you know, commercially, you know, they make the song popular, they make the movie popular, or or they use a slightly old pop song and and make it their own movie. But, you know, purposely create a soundtrack or purposely just choose a very classic song or piece of music and use it on your film and and, and make it iconic because of the use. Yes, make it iconic. Yes, exactly. I, I always feel, of, of course, my my short film Anino, the, the one that won in Cannes in two thousand.
0: Congratulations! It's not a commercial
2: movie. Not every you know, not everyone knows it, but I always try to think that I I did that you know with with that uh, film because basically I, I I got permission to use Janos. Uh, uh, banal na aso santong ngkabayo. You know? mm-hmm. So so by then in the year 2000, it was kind of like a classic alternative Pinoy music. It was actually already a pop song, you know, because yeah, it was yeah, yeah. and very successful from the early yeah. 90s. Right. And and I used that music precisely because of that because I was I was creating new meaning by using that song, which was very uh, you know impressionistic, very symbolic in its lyrics but putting it on my film which is a totally different story but it, it created a new meaning by using that song so yes that's my point i i, I tried to do that you know and and also in camera obscura uh, i had uh, diwa de leon um who's already based in the us as well now uh-huh. i think he, he does a lot of video blogs as well um he did the score for camera obscura and because it, it was a silent Supposedly a classic Filipino silent movie, you know, a classic
3: uh-huh. Filipino movie.
2: We approached it with a classical uh, music uh,
3: treatment, you know,
2: and then, right. uh, well, you see, um, uh, Diwa De Wadelerin is schooled in that he, you know, he, he really writes, um, music and, and he has schooling with, with the classic, uh, classic form, you know, classic yeah. forms. And so he, he scored it that way. Um. Uh, and in fact, he we won the award also for best music score in the Cinema Laya Festival. But there was a lot of criticism of the the soundtrack, the music, because uh, unfortunately, and I have to admit it is true, that even though the music was really, really good, and he like really scored it, it's silent movie, so basically he was scoring the visuals. He really painstakingly made scores for the visuals, right? Just like in the silent era of uh-huh. Uh, the, the unfortunate thing is we didn't have money we didn't have a budget uh, ideally the pieces he wrote should have been played by a full orchestra uh, okay. we do not have that money so he right. had to contend with using electronic uh, equipment right. and so there yeah. were some reviews about the music saying uh-huh. well, Raymond used electronica in his his
3: movie
2: I, admittedly yes you can tell it's electronic uh, right.
3: you know, Strings. music.
2: but but if you listen closely to the arrangement, to the, the the flow of the music and the way it's running along the images, it was very classical. And, and it, it was so unfortunate that um, there was. But of course, you know, I, I in an ideal situation, if I had money like ho- uh, in a Hollywood movie, I would have hired, um, you know, a full orchestra to play that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: eventually, we had the the uh, opportunity and appreciation. <laughs> Of the music, when I forget how when exactly uh, it must have been in 2015, I, I made Camera CameraSera in 2012. I don't know if it's in 2015, 2016 or so. But anyway, Cinemalaya celebrated uh, a kind of uh, you know looking back in in uh, films that have been in that festival. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's held at the Cultural Center of the Philippines every year, and uh, in the opening night they had, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it must have been the Philippine Philharmonic Orchestra. or uh, it, it, There was a full orchestra on stage at the CCP and they made a, a kind of, a, 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 they call it a medley, I mean, <laughs> arrangement of all the different music. Yeah, medley, yeah, yeah. Pieces, you know, a medley of the yeah. all the uh, music soundtracks of the films that have won In, uh, oh. in Camera And so there was a segment Where they played the music Of uh, Camera Obscura, And I was I was so elated That night because was the First time I hear yeah. Iwa De Leon's music Finally given the right Performance You know By, by, by an orchestra Wow that's really true. So I could just imagine If the whole movie Can be done that way And that's why for me The, the, the film is unfinished yeah, I'm actually yeah. trying to raise funds. Like, yeah. You know, I'm contacting Diwa, but of course he's now in the U.S., he's quite busy. But like I said I'm, I'm I'm getting the permission and raise funds to to re-record the music with a, maybe not even a full orchestra, but at least, you know, with the right instrument, you know. Like yeah, that's a, right. A, a quartet or a quintet, you know, with, with the right uh, woodwind and brass and, you know, the, the, the correct uh, classic instruments, you know, and... and re-record the soundtrack for that movie and I can re-release it or or I, I was actually trying to put together a project unfortunately the pandemic uh, came and you know stopped us dead on our tracks but I'm uh, yeah. not giving up on it I was actually trying to arrange for special screenings of camera obscura because a silent movie but right. with a live orchestra yeah, the way silent great, cinema was that's a
0: great idea man
2: that's how they did it back in the 1920s in the yeah 80s. so it would be quite an experience to see that you know, um
3: we're
0: where can I see we're we're gonna see those two films I haven't seen those I have seen I saw him papa with here. Right, right. I, yeah. I was like... I was, you saw it on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, I saw it on the big screen. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, this is so cool. I'm watching Raymond Red in the States. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> yeah, uh, that was cool. Um, yeah. So how about uh, Camera Obscura? And uh, what's the other
2: one? Yeah, oh, I I, I, mean, I could uh, maybe give you a private link to, to view it. Uh, okay. I will now segue to another conviction that I really stand by you know in, in, in terms of filmmaking and cinema right uh, I've always told also my students this that uh, I, I hope they don't take it as me being stubborn mm-hmm. and it's not my way of saying that I don't believe in where the technology is heading you know we were discussing that it's moving towards streaming and so on. I'm to- I'm totally for it I'm, I'm uh, you know I myself I'm adapting to it and looking into future projects that would more or less work for the new technologies, you know, including streaming, viewing mm. it, and as well as, you know, with new digital equipment, how to shoot a film and stuff like that. You, you adapt to the new technology. But uh, all these years, I've never put my films online. I, I, mm. You won't find them online,
3: They're, except
2: right. for Anina, which is a short film, which is right yeah. now the YouTube channel of Cinema One. You know, Cinema One Originals. YouTube. Cinema One is uh, under ABS-CBN company. Uh, so if you go to their YouTube channel, you can actually watch Anino for free. Oh, okay. Uh, so that, that's the only one that's online. But all my other films, I've actually kept off from the internet. And I only do special screenings. And that is my way of making a statement
1: mm-hmm. about
2: theat- classical theatrical cinema, that I wish... My films would only be seen the way they were intended because when I made these films, I imagined them on the big screen. Right. Again, people can accuse me of am being stubborn. No, no, no. That's 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 rock it's and roll, man. It's, no, it's, it's rock and it's, roll, man. That's yeah, the rock it's and roll as an preference. You know, I'm not saying streaming is wrong, but and and in fact I will admit that I, I eventually will have to bow down and, and, and put these films online. But as long as I can hold back. I, I will try because I, I I really want to try and do special screenings. So that's what I've been doing with these films. I show it in film festivals, special screenings in in the universities, which have good uh, facilities, you know, like the, the University of the Philippines has the UP Film Center, yeah, which is a good theater, you know. So we've done a lot of screenings there. And so it's very alternative. It's still kind of underground, so to speak. You know? Right. <laughs> But the the alternative cinema independent cinema as it is in all over the world anyway but specifically in the Philippines has be, has become it hasn't become mainstream obviously but has become quite popular you know that more people are becoming aware uh mm-hmm. that there is such an alternative you know that, that, that you can watch these uh, alternatively made films, you
0: know? yeah,
2: um, meaning diff- uh, different modes of production, different means, and th- this is how I started. I mean, I made these really low budget short films shot on Super 8, the cheapest film format back in the eighties. You know?
1: Yeah, That's
2: how I started my career, and and I was lucky with these really small, uh, uh, you know, low budget, uh, um, very modest films. I was able to go to big film festivals. I mean, I found myself showing these films in big festivals where I was the only one showing Super 8. You know, I was in Berlin, Hawaii wow. Film Festival, San Francisco Film Festival. It's amazing. You look at the program; it was the only Super 8 film in the program. How
0: do you how do you how do you get into a film festival? Do you do you, uh, is it open to everybody? In, in the world as a, uh, a filmmaker? Basta, you're, film, you, you're a
2: filmmaker? Well, it has changed a lot as well, you know, and uh, I, I always tell other filmmakers is, you know, how I've seen it change and transform through the decades. When I started back in the 80s, there was, there were very few, I'm not saying there are none, I'm not, but there were very, very few Filipino films who would have an opportunity yeah. to be shown in a major film festival. Uh, there may be some, you know, small film events, universities, other institutions. But, but you, you know, you, you talk of major film festivals, especially the A-list festivals yeah, like Berlin uh-huh. and Cannes and uh, Venice. And then, of course, you know, San Francisco Film Festival, New York Film Festival, these are big yeah, huh. And so it was quite a dream for me just to be invited into these festivals with these tiny... Wow. modest great short films, you know. So I, I would yeah. show it as a program, you know, a set of uh, short films. And and that's how I started, you know. So it's it's you can't say it was open, but the the film programmers would go out of their way to find films. Wow. And I was lucky that there were uh, film programmers. More specifically there was a uh, a famous uh, British uh, film programmer named Tony Rains. He went to the Philippines. He's he's known about of course uh, our uh, <clears throat> national artists, uh, um, Ismael Bernal, Lino Brocas, you know, mm. the, the, their their films were the ones that were, and Mike DeLeon, you know, their films wow. were the ones, with and, yeah. and, and and so on, you know, but suddenly he discovered these small short films, they were so Fascinated by it, and he said, "This should be programmed. This, the, the world needs to see this." Nice. <laughs> so I was so lucky that he chose my films. You know, he, he went to the Fun Film Institute where I worked and where a lot of the short filmmakers were based. You know, and he watched a lot of films and he chose my films
3: and he promoted wow. it in, in,
2: in uh, the UK and and you know one thing led to another. So. That's how I got into that and started making full length films eventually. Do you write your films too? Yeah, I've always written my own scripts. I I will admit I'm not really a great writer, but I I can conceptualize and think Uh of detailed stories. And sometimes I collaborate with my uh, friends who are writers, you know, like one of my collaborators, Ian Victoriano, was was a schoolmate um, in high school, in the Philippine High School for the Arts, you know, where I started with visual arts. Uh And so we've had a long, you know, relationship in in collaborating. He collaborated with some of my early short films. He also co-wrote one of my full-length films, uh, Sakai, you know, the historical. Oh, yeah, I've seen seen Sakai, yeah. That was great. In 1993, so. Yeah. Yeah, he co-wrote the screenplay there. And, yeah, that's how I, I... done it you know and, and I told you I and mean, I, I think I told you back in uh, was it in 2010 when we showed uh, Manila skies him papa in, in LA
1: yeah
2: That the the film did not really have a screenplay it only had an outline a story outline <laughs> and, and yet a lot of people see the film and think it had a very detailed screenplay wow. You know, screenplay. Well, most of the dialogue you heard there was improvisation but of course it, it was controlled improvisation I tried to control yeah. much of it so it's, it's it's a different approach to me it's, it's amazing because the film also won some best screenplay awards even though <laughs> <it didn't. laughs> and in fact well, there you um, go and, man. Uh, oscars.org you know the, the um, AMPAS American Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Yeah. Uh, archi- they have an archive, of course, Oscars.org. They, they actually wrote me, inviting me to to archive uh, my script
3: oh, for Manila nice. Skies. You know, oh, after wow. the screening
2: in LA. So they, so we, we, they, we so they really liked it, huh? Wow. To be in the library. And then I had to say, well... There's no screenplay. <laughs> you know what I think it is. I think it's
0: the twist in the end because when the twist happens in the end, I mean, the you know the thing you're like,
2: whoa, <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: you know no, when he, no of course, way, he,
2: you know, yeah. But, but anyway, I, I actually submitted the the sequence outline, the treatment, and they archived it. So it's it's in the. Oh wow. I'm kind of proud of that to say. Well, congratulations, man. My screenplay a... is archived in the dude. That's a, not born, That uh, is a huge library. That is a huge
3: mm-hmm.
0: huge achievement, man. I mean not just mm-hmm. for you but for the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Because now mm-hmm. you know, if someone wants to re- that's why if someone wants to research Filipino filmmakers, you know, you know so there's some people out there who are really nerdy about everything or anything that you never know. And that's why I also wa- I started my podcast and all of the people that I am interviewing are people that I think need to be heard, their stories, their history, whatever. So that if ever in the future or now or, or whenever, because it's in the internet forever, some young kid in Europe, in Denmark will say, hmm, Philippines. I wonder if they play rock and roll music there or whatever, you know? And then it, all these interviews yeah. will come out of these. So that's, that's the reason so why great. I'm doing this podcast. So, for you and so like that, it, it's the same thing that you, your work is archived in the Oscars uh, database, so that if someone, anybody wants to learn about Filipino films, you are the first one who are you are going to be the representative. You're the first that's one. That's why. Yeah,
2: that's why I said earlier uh, in this interview. You know, I, I'm I'm already at that stage where where I'm into archiving my own works and yeah. securing, you know, my little legacy, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is, you know, because I, I want it to be seen, you know I mean? Yes. I'll be dead and gone a hundred years from now, but just the thought that maybe a hundred years from now, young film enthusiasts might still see or read about the little short films we did during this time. Exactly. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm already, Fulfill and uh, celebrate. Yeah, and I <laughs> that, think I that think that opportunity can happen. So yes. I, but, but that's why I'm I'm trying to promote awareness in pre- preservation and, and restoration and, and archiving, and, and I'm trying to do that with my own films because there's no there you know there's no funding yet for, for that. I mean, for my type of films, you know, there, there's yeah. a lot of archiving going on. They're remastering a lot of the classics right now. Uh, ABS-CBN has their own uh, sagip pelikula. Oh, they, yeah. they have this program wow. where they're, they're acquiring the rights to remaster certain films. Uh, Mike De Leon himself made efforts with international institutions to remaster films. recently, he remastered uh, just last year, uh, "Kisap Mata," one of my favorite films from from 1981, 82. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Vic Silayan and Charles Santos, Jay Lagan. its a, really a classic uh, suspense movie. Uh, one of the films that influenced me in the early '80s, so. and it's been digitally remastered. So wow! Through, through the help of foreign institutions, so yeah, it's a new thing that that's being done. But but it's only being done right now, slowly, one film at a time, and of course they're starting with the really big true classics. so right yeah i'm thinking before my films decay and <laughs> yeah. dissolve
3: into you need
0: a you need an underground financier yeah. to, to do that you it know is, like a guy who thinks like you you know so so even
3: yeah, yeah
2: even film yeah. restoration preservation is an alternative underground thing yes <laughs> you know, it's an underground exact, yep. i'm looking for my own support and funding yeah. and i'm doing it myself you know trying to remaster uh I actually went to L.A. around the same time or after I screened uh, uh, Manila Skies in L.A. Yeah, 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 you did. Yeah. I went back in 2012. Yeah. And then I went to Burbank. There's this company that uh, digitally scans Super 8 film. So I was oh. able to scan my early Super 8 films. Oh. And, and, and it's taken me this long. You know, it's almost 10 years ago already, nine years ago. And I'm still uh, remastering. When you say remaster, you, you scan the film. Yeah. So you scan the image. So now you have a digital image right. on video of, of the film, whether it's HD, 4K, whatever resolution. And then you have to remaster, meaning, you know, you, you have to remix the sound, resync it. Maybe you have to re-edit oh, it. Oh, okay. Maybe you clean get it. it up a bit. You know, that, that's what so you need. It, right. So it's right. very tedious. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Wow. Uh, sometimes they're purists, so you you don't really touch it up so much. But, but it's amazing when you see like Hollywood films, you know, remastered. Uh, it, it, it's it's amazing to watch. You know, it's, it, it almost looks like you know you watch a remastered uh, James Dean film oh. or Marlon. Yeah. I mean the the. It, it almost mean, looks I... like it was shot yesterday. You know? Exactly. It's, it's so so I'm I'm starting to get into that. Um, you can try watching Anino or. YouTube channel of Cinema One, as I said, okay. that film is from two thousand. It was shot in nineteen ninety nine, so it's. Still, I, it I, 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 I think
0: I, I I think I watched Anino. I don't remember it anymore. I think mm-hmm. I watched it. I think
2: I was when when did it come out? Two thousand. Came out in two thousand. Oh, I was still. I I had many special screenings.
0: Yeah, I think I watched um, it. I think I saw it. But yeah,
2: it actually went online. It's it's my first. And only film that really went, sorry, commercially online because uh, early two thousands was the beginning of streaming. You know, internet, especially in the Philippines, was still very slow, and and it was unheard of. Uh, Not really unheard of, but unimaginable to watch a full length movie in good resolution from the internet.
3: Yeah, you
2: know, it it, it didn't exist yet in a way. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Streaming of short films. And Anina was purchased by Atom Films, one of the pioneers of uh, early, you know, like commercial streaming, where you where you pay a subscription or you pay per per view,
3: you know.
2: Yes. Uh, and so Anina was there already on Atom Films in the early ah. 2000s. So it's my first and only film that has been on streaming officially. Right, Officially. Yeah. Um, uh, my other films, as I've said, I've kind of held back and done only special streaming. No, I
0: think that's cool, man. I think that's cool because like you said, if you want to see, you know, a Raymond Red film, you have to go out, get in your car, go in the theater, Sit with someone you don't really know, or whatever, you know, a big crowd, you know, another crowd, and experience it together, and be, pr- and then if you feel that pride, there's a whole room of that pride just coming out because they're watching a Filipino film. You know, that's good. So yeah. it's really, I, I, I
2: appreciate when you went uh, went out of your way to watch it in. In uh, was it? It wasn't in L.A. what city was it? That was in uh, here, in my city, right here. There the are local theaters showing it. That's yeah, where we right, saw right. it. Yeah, yeah. We were going around then. Yeah, there there were a few theaters we showed it. And I think we we went to Carson City as well. And, yeah, yeah, and then of uh, course, on man. I mean,
0: worked. dude, I know you. Yeah. I mean, I know the director. I was like we have to watch that. I know the director, man. <laughs> you know. And then another thing that uh, most people or a lot of people or maybe all people don't know is that you directed the Wolfgang video too. Yeah, <laughs> Do you remember that? It yeah, was I posted this, it, it on my channel. Yeah, it, it was the song called "Mecca" from uh, the Black Mantra album, the fifth album, my last album with Wolfgang. Um, you should show it, was, it here.
2: Yeah, huh? look, look for it on. You can try and show it here on your. On your oh yeah, content. yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on YouTube. It's, uh, on, yeah. it's it's. I'll give you the link. I I know I posted it on my YouTube channel. I I don't really promote my channel. I mean I have a channel but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not really no, I saw it,
0: it I saw it recently but and it's was like it's there it's somewhere it's, I posted it. Yeah and it was cool because you it was black and white and I think were you was was it
2: your metropolis influence there? Because you you used the yeah. um, miniatures. It was that, the beginning of that. Yeah see I yeah. was doing my studies for Camera Obscura which eventually happened in twenty twelve. Okay. Like in the early 2000s, I was already obsessed in in kind of experimenting with look and form, and you know my yeah influences from of uh, the early silent movies. Yeah, the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, Metropolis, and, and such. You know, I was obsessed with it, and so I was kind of playing around. That's why I proposed it to you guys. And uh, what can I do this treatment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
0: And um, I remember when we got to the st- the studio. Was it the? St-
2: where was and and the- by the way, it's in it, we shot it in film. And by the way, we shot it on thirty five millimeter film. Yeah, that, that was film. Was <laughs> film. That was we shot film. It on Thirty five. I got uh, I really scrunched up and went <laughs> short ends and leftover film
3: from. Oh
2: my god! Company. I mean, that's the, per- the you know it's the
0: perfect band to do it with because we didn't care. We're we're like that. We we like we appreciate that kind of thing now uh, okay it's going to be film but but the director's going to scrounge up as much film as he can it's like cool man you know it's like it's rock and roll it's a rock and roll approach it's like yeah. bahala na, basta let's do it this way let's 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 get the quality up here so bahala na what we have to do to get the quality here you know <laughs> and uh, i remember when we got there and the miniature city was already set up i was like oh this is so cool man yeah. i was like I was blown away. I was like, wow. There, I there, really, yeah.
2: there were animation segments, of course, which which you initially didn't see yet, but I, I showed no. you some yeah, miniatures, yeah. You know, miniatures and stuff like that. Yeah. And we had to know. work on that uh, a lot more after after we shot the live. Band. Yeah after the band, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you had uh you had the Godzilla toy, you had mm-hmm. <laughs> you had that robot that fi- that nineteen forties the wind up, up robot. Yeah, I'd love it, man. And yeah, if you guys are listening out there, go to YouTube, uh, search for Wolfgang Meckam M E C K A M, and uh, check it out. That's Raymond Red who directed it. And then I remember we did also the halftime thing. We would slow down the music, and then you sped it up. Oh in, yeah, yeah. With the, in real time, in real tempo, whatever. So it, right, it, right, it looked like really robotic and fast. A lot
2: of the move a lot of the movement was uh, uh akin to like silent then well, it was much uh, slower which created actually fast motion. Yeah exactly. So we wanted to create that fast motion thing. And and then that's why I had you uh play the music slower, really slow. It was fun. And did, it was so fun. Did, and we computed the slowdown on the music because, right. of course, you were just playing against uh, the playback, right? The yeah, playback yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But recording. we had to play. I remember we had to crank up the, the monitors really loud because I had to, you know, when you're playing a music video, when you're um, recording one, the drummer has to be hitting something. I don't have right. to be hitting the snare, but I have to be hitting the cymbals for sure, you know, right, to, right. to simulate that, that, uh, the, the drumming. So it's like crank up the the monitor so I can you know hear the music while I'm bashing on the cymbals, and it was funny because you could you know the vocals of Basti were like,
2: right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yeah and I then, remember you're playing yeah. so slow
3: and
0: yeah I was playing so slow
2: like it's so bad then, we didn't yeah we didn't shoot uh, behind the scenes then it would have been interesting to see that. You
0: know. I know, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's 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 still in my in my mind. So it's safe there. (laughs) It was a really cool experience, you know, and then I remember also when when uh, our boss in Sony, uh, Wally Champsay, said, oh, I'm going to we're going to have Raymond Red do your next video. It's like, oh, wow, man. (laughs) I was like, because because Wally was really taking care of all the bands in Sony. He was really taking care of each band. And he was really specializing in each band's mm-hmm. identity. So he said, you know what? I think Wolfgang being, yeah, they're a hard rock band, but they're not really a pure hard rock band. So they're kind of alternative. So maybe we should make the director an alternative-minded person as well. So mm-hmm. it fit perfectly. And the, and, and the end result is really cool, man. And then you have those those zombies in the Barong tagalogs. Yeah, that's really cool, man. And then they were, and then I remember there's one scene that they're ro- you had them rolling one of the guys in the banig. So right. When, right. It's funny, <laughs> dude. When you see the finished product, it's like oh, they're rolling a joint. They're rolling a joint. <laughs> they're rolling a big
2: yeah, joint. It was, it was for a roller, another habit. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you
3: go. I was really that's thinking it. Those things, yeah.
2: Oh, I was really God. thinking of uh, segments for, for the lyrics. See, I mean, you're, you're, it's very literal, but the same way, it was kind of impressionistic, you know, seeing these weird... Totally impressionistic, figures. man.
0: It's total <laughs> avant-garde, bro. It's total avant-garde, man. I mean, if, you, if you've if shot the band in black and white as well, it would be totally avant-garde. I don't think it would be... I don't think the mainstream audience would have appreciated it <laughs> if it was all black and white, because I would, because it would then be like, wow, look, look, it's the band in black and white. It's like, you know, it's, it's film noir or something like that. But it mm-hmm. came out great, man. It was a great music video. Yeah. It was a, it was I remember during
3: order. that time,
2: wait, what year was that again? Was it 2002 or? Uh, no, The, the 2001. 2001 or yeah. oh, no, no,
0: no, wait, wait, wait. Black Mantra came yeah, because, out I, good... yeah, no, because it, was
2: just, it was just interesting that around that time, uh, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers video of, um, <clears throat> oh, sorry, uh, mental block
3: now. Mental What's block? the name that's <laughs> what, <forgot>
2: what video? <laughs> uh, um, one of their videos was in. Obviously inspired by the silent movie, especially the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Okay. You can see the imagery. And I remember when our video came out, there, there was a lot of comments that they were saying, oh, they, you're, you're trying to copy uh, red hot chili peppers. Oh. And I, I totally disagreed with that. because. movie of the chili peppers is that. Uh, that? Is it black anyway, and white? Anyway, I totally disagreed with that because... I have been inspired by these images since the 1980s, you know? By, exactly, by, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. By yeah. Caligari and then all
2: of Science and, and, and of course uh, Metropolis and uh, all those, you know, throughout the minds, I've been imagining these images and I'm thinking, I want to use it in, in, in a film, <clears throat> in, in an experimental short, or even a music video. And so the, 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 when that opportunity came up, you
1: know, yeah.
2: I feel, I, this is it. I, I, I could start using it here. And then eventually, years later, I started using the inspiration in, in several films. I made a short film until I made Camera Obscura, which was the mm, film. right. So it's unfortunate that, of course, uh, uh, when you talk of classic, uh, you know, experimental or German expressionist cinema, they, uh, they they always refer to these films. they were yeah. very popular, you know, uh, Caligari and uh, uh, Metropolis, and, and and so it's. It's uh, very likely that someone would really be inspired by it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm the first one. or. I'm, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too many film students are inspired by it. Yeah. But, uh, the, the fact of the matter is, when we did that video, it, absolutely not uh, in, inspired by that uh, music video itself. It just happened to come out earlier, yeah. But you know, the images I've already imagined. No, but 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 the thing is, but the thing is,
0: I mean, a critique like that is really baseless because they're saying, Well, you're copying the chili peppers. That means that they don't know that about German, in in, in, you know, uh, yeah,
3: that
2: whoever I, I forget now, I remember I read about it. Whoever directed that video, obviously, was so inspired by. Yeah, he was probably
3: he cinema. was
2: probably probably so was taking, a film student, you know, taking cues from that and, and being inspired by it. Yeah, um, it's not exactly appropriation. Appropriation does not necessarily mean it's negative. Uh, it's it's more being inspired, and in fact, it's uh, what you call an homage. You pay homage, yeah to them, yeah, you know, yeah. And, yeah. Well, that's actually, the difference between plagiarism and no, no, no. I mean that's and, you why know, that, that, You know, plagiarism or, or or appropriation and paying an homage. But when you pay an homage, you purposely want your viewers to notice it, to, to recognize that it was inspired by these images. Exactly. There's you no know? so it's 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 like uh that's why that's
0: why I say that it's baseless because they, these people who say, oh, well, you're copying the Chili Peppers. No, 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 no. The, the the director of the Chili Peppers video and Raymond Red are inspired by the same guy. That yeah. is the correct critique. That is the correct thing. What they're saying red, red. is baseless because you're not copying the guy from the, the Chili Peppers director. No, you guys have the same influence. That's all it is. It's like if... Uh, it's like when when Wolfgang would be labeled uh, Metallica of the Philippines or whatever or what rap band we would go or, or I mean I'm sorry not 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 Metallica but like uh, we were we were at the same time that Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and all of those guys came out, and we came out maybe a year later, two years later, and they would say some people would think us, you know, oh that band they sound like Candlebox. Candlebox? Who the hell's Candlebox? You know, I only know that one song of Candlebox. You mean we're copying that one song? Our whole album sounds like that one song of Candlebox? That's that's ridiculous. No. The music that Candlebox, the members of Candlebox, the members of Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and the members of Wolfgang and Razorback, we all just listen to the same music. So that's why the music that comes out of us sounds similar because the influence is the same. The root is this the is same. There's
2: always influences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We we were we are influenced by Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. Soundgarden is influenced by Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and the Beatles.
2: Same with Wolfgang. So Which if there's me back to Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, right. That's right. Why why I'm so amazed with Citizen Kane because mm-hmm. during uh, Orson Welles' time, there was still very little. I mean, I mean. Cinema was very well established already, Hollywood cinema and so on. But you know, comparing to today, there was so little cinema to take influence from. Meaning, during their time, you really had to think of original things. Yes, and we are now taking uh, inspiration from what they've done. So, or, or I think that's one of the things that. Critics have always praised about uh, Citizen Kane and Orson Welles.
0: Right. That
2: he had to think up of original things. Even the technology, they had to um, uh, reconfigure new lenses, right. to create yeah, the deep focus, because because Orson Wells had a very specific vision for how he wanted the scenes to be photographed.
3: You know, with, with now, sets, with teams, yeah. you know,
2: and I mean, he dug up uh, the floors of the set so that he could do low angle shots and stuff right. like this. They're, they're, they seem ordinary now, you know, with, with all the
3: technology. but But he
2: was the first.
0: He was the pioneer.
2: Yeah. He, he thought of these things. And, and you know, one of the greatest things, uh, going back again to, to, you know, it's kind of related to uh, our music video with, of Mecham. Yeah. Uh, that taking inspiration from the old films. And during that time in 1940, when he made uh, Citizen Kane, he created that newsreel. You see, during that time, television I mean, television had been invented, but it hadn't really exploded in the market yet. As wow. A, as a consumer product. That was and the so first newsreel. News had to be seen in theaters. That's why they, they were news. Right.
3: You yeah, go into yeah, yeah. the
2: movie house and watch the news yeah. in between the movies. Yes. And so, so he created that uh, a semblance of a newsreel for, for his character uh, Charles Foster Kane. Yeah. And when he put that newsreel together, he already had the sense of creating the passage of time by using the form, meaning the texture of the film. If you Mm. look at that sequence now, the the movie, of course, has been digitally remastered, so you can now watch Citizen Kane in in very clear, very crisp black and white. You can watch it on Blu-ray or HD or so on, or 4K even. But that sequence they didn't clean up the images because it was purposely made that way. He, he had the already the concept uh-huh. of aging the segments uh-huh. to connote the passage of time. Wow. I, it, that really blew me away. I think somebody in 1940 doing black and white films was already thinking I could use the texture of film to, because he aged in that newsreel, in that 15-minute newsreel. You can see him aging. And then, he was already playing with the form. In the early part of the newsreel, mm-hmm. when Charles Foster King was younger,
3: mm-hmm. it was
2: like silent cinema. You know, jerky movements, a lot of scratches and dirt on the film. And then yeah. as the newsreel progressed, it was getting cleaner and cleaner. Oh. And then there was already sound that was kind of garbled. it right. so was already sound cinema. So in, in that newsreel, you can see wow. the history of cinema. Wow. Only, you know, I, I never read this from any, I, I'm sure some critics have noticed it already, but I'm just saying, I discovered it for myself. I never yeah. read this in right. any book or critic. Right, right. I realized it. Holy shit! You know? Shit, man. See, Orphan now Welsh now I understand.
3: In real yeah. form.
2: Yeah. Just to show the passage of time as Charles Foster Kane was aging, and then you know the the very last uh, segment of the newsreel. Yeah, He was really ad- advanced. He was way ahead of his time. The last part of the newsreel was, you know, because Charles Foster Kane became uh, recluse. He hid in his mansion. That was the story. So in the last part of, of that newsreel, it's like a 16 millimeter camera paparazzi handheld camera. Wow. Oh gosh, I gotta into, see this movie into, again. Into, I gotta into, see this movie uh, again. To a fence. Yeah. I was, you know, it looks so ordinary now, but I was blown away. That's 90 more he already saw yes. Yeah, yeah, you know. it's 16 millimeter shot by a, a, a you know a press cameraman. You know, yeah, yeah, stealing shots, and then he was showing uh, Charles Foster Kane on a wheelchair you know, uh-huh. being rolled by his butler, and then it was like stolen shots through 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 a fence. It was very shaky. That's the that's the that's, the, that's the root. Was, that's where all I films. That's where all.
0: Now it's all
2: in overuse, of course. You know? Yeah. I mean, with purpose, you know, in, in movies like... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, movies that want to show the passage of time, you know, but the concept came from that. It's amazing. I, I've i never seen any other movie before Citizen Kane. I, I could be wrong, but I've never seen any other classic movie before it that used that concept, that used th- the physicality of film. Um, to show passage of time by the aging of the form.
0: Now I understand form
2: and content together.
0: Yeah. I understand now why people would say that. Because it's just like saying because I, I I always um when I try to explain something to my mind, I always try to relate it to music. Artists, musicians, whatever, you know. So in my mind, right now, what Citizen Kane is, or uh, Orson Welles, would be the Jimi Hendrix of film. Wow. You know what I mean? Because Jim, what Jimi Hendrix did um, on the electric guitar is what electric guitar is now, and forever will forever be. He was the first one to play the electric guitar like that, like wailing. Wild rock and roll, loud guitar. He was the first, and played really well. Right. So, right. so I mean, it, he started that in 1967, the first album of Hendrix. It took Eddie Van Halen ni- 1979 to surpass that. I'm not saying I'm am a Hendrix fan, and Hen- but Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, is the next step. To guitar, electric guitar uh, playing, but for from 1967 to 1979, it was Jimi Hendrix. That was the that was the Orson Wells. So so I relate to it like that. It's
3: like right, right. What whatever yeah, then, you know, because whatever he was
2: doing there, it's already standard now. It's exploring, experimenting new possibilities yeah. with the medium. So th- that's exactly what uh, Orson Welles is doing. That's why he he's so highly, you know, he's regarded a, and put up on a pedestal in, in the history yeah. of cinema.
0: Yeah, in in, 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 in hip-hop lingo, it's, they call it that, that OG, the OG. He's
3: mm-hmm. original yeah.
0: gangster, man, yeah. you know, Orson Welles in the film, in, in cinema, yeah. you know, in the cinema world. Yeah, he is OG. He's like, uh, you know, he's like, uh, like, uh, uh, in rock and roll, he's like Little Richard and Chuck Berry and Elvis, they're the OGs of rock and roll, you know. Orson Welles is the, one right. of the OGs of film mm. because until now, whatever he was doing then, which was advanced for in 1940 mm. and it's already just regular now, you gotta people have to. I think na I think that's. I, I didn't realize that, but now that I realize it, and then I see it, if I watch that movie again, which I will, th- with that in mind,
1: yeah,
2: now I'll be, be like,
0: oh shit. Then mm-hmm. now I'll I'll probably be like, yeah, then also,
2: yeah. So also, yeah, like if mm-hmm. I said, watching it in the context of the time it was weird. Exactly. The, think, yes. Yeah. See the, like that example I said. You know this texturing and. We see it so, so much in almost anything. It's for, it, it's even started in experimental cinema, like pampering mm. with films, scratching yes. it and putting it in yellow. Yeah, It was experimental before, but then it made its way into music videos in the eighties. It was and the normal fear, you know, your music videos should have scratches, shaky camera and all that.
0: Yeah. And now it's and now part of it's even in the mainstream. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's and now it's a filter.
2: You know, it's a filter and now, on Instagram. You can, you just yeah. click and it's a filter. But if you think so, of it in the context of the time of, of, of that early cinema in mean, the 30s and 40s, also Chaplin was a pioneer mm-hmm. in film language. I love That's Charlie a Chaplin. Thing. You know, you, you, you could study. Uh, it, it's suddenly so amazing for me. Um, of course, it's it's. it's Partly because of me also being a cinematographer, I'm a technical person too. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I really dwell into the, the, the techniques and the technology that was used to create it. But of course, I'm 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 also obsessed with why it's being made. Yes. What is the meaning and what does it symbolize? So it's not just a matter of doing it for the sake of doing it. And yes. that's happening a lot in cinema now, you know, because. It, when the drone was invented, and now you can do a aerial shot without hiding a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. A lot of TV commercials where, where I I risk my own, you know, yeah. myself. I would strap myself outside the helicopter just to shoot that aerial shot. Oh my god! And then all the shit now you just, you know, do an RC of a drone with all the safety. I know. And, and I, convenience I, 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 and, and suddenly, everybody wants to use it. But the, the, yeah. it boils down to why are you going to use it? What, is, what does that shot really signify in your story, in your message? Yeah. And that's what's so strong about uh, something like Citizen Kane.
0: Yeah.
2: Everything is done with purpose. With purpose. And everything serves the story you know, and the, the uh, message and the concept.
0: That's when, uh, that's when, like what you just said, the why... I have, I have uh, one of my friends that I interview here is Chef Ramon Antonio. And I'm also a food enthusiast. I don't, I don't like calling myself a foodie because I always liked food anyway, you know. Hmm. But with the advent of Anthony Bourdain and all of that, my, my interest in that has become deeper. And now, yeah, because, of, because of Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, now I want to know all the why. Before it was just oh this is good I love chinese food I like uh, I like shawarma you know the usual good stuff in manila but now when it's like every time I go back to visit the philippines it's really it's oh, to see my friends of course but it's also to eat because the food there the food scene in the yeah. philippines is just out of this world and, and now it's so much interesting to me because now I'm so interested in the why. And the why is so it's, it's interesting.
2: It's one of the things you, you really tend to dwell on now, especially during the pandemic. Exactly, yes, open. yes, yes. I've, I've been binge-watching uh, uh, on YouTube uh, the, the Japanese videos on uh, sashimi and how they slice up a large tuna or, or oh my or yes, puffer fish <laughs> yes <laughs> it, exactly it you know how it is in YouTube you know you play one video and it will just continue playing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah subject and I would have it playing all night until I fall asleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> just watching these these sushi masters slice up this, these I love uh,
0: large it I love it chip. it's like now yeah exactly it's like now I I understand why Japanese rice is a little bit more delicious than every other rice is because they put some vinegar
3: in there vinegar yeah right yeah (laughs) you see you know
0: that i never (laughs) knew that and then when i first saw that when i first heard it it like ah no wonder because there is a definitely different quality to japanese rice than any other rice in the world and there's that secret weapon that they have whatever kind of vinegar that is
2: so the taste so, and uh, also it yeah. helps in, I think, in the consistency, the, the sticky, stickiness. The, yeah, the, right the
3: stickiness.
0: Yes, exactly. It yeah. together and stuff like that. Yeah. So now, so it's like when I was in college and then when you eat sushi, and I remember high school, college days, sushi was still new in the Philippines. Um, 1987, 86, 88, that, that, the late 80s. And, uh, you know, you just... Eat as much as you can because it's delicious. Now, when I when I eat something like that, or any kind of food that I, you know, appreciate, I, I look at it differently now. It's like, okay, there's that vinegar in this rice that no one else probably knows but me, or anyone who saw that program that I saw that I watched. You know, so it's a deeper appreciation. And and I guess same with film. If I if I watch Citizen Kane again with what after hearing everything we've discussed about him or what you've discussed about him in the film, I now have a deeper understanding of going into it. It's like, to me, the black and white is already irrelevant. You know what I mean? Because it was made in 1940. Everything was black and white. No choice. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I,
2: I totally understand that. That's why. Because I, you know, I, I teach and a lot of students are very young. they they're barely in their 18s. and wow! So, what, so, so I kind of um, try to, of course, understand it from their point of view. But I, I try to, to, you know, create a deeper explanation of why it's relevant. You know, with, without antagonizing them. Yeah, you know, I, exactly. I try to put myself in their shoes, and you know, they were born with uh, the internet already around. Yeah. And, Home video and cable TV and, and all that, and then, then they saw it develop into, to, uh, you know, streaming and, and so on. And they're now kind of suffering and languishing and surviving under this pandemic. And I, I know how difficult it is. So, so yeah, oh. schooling has been very difficult, but it continues on uh, uh, through online, you know, synchronous classes. And it's it's also difficult for teachers like me to impart that. What, what? Yeah, I, I do my best to to try and open their minds to these ideas, you know, and, and still understand if they are not totally uh, appreciating it, you know, um, I can understand that. But at least once you've imparted it, they, they they start thinking. At least it is in the back of their mind already, and they start thinking about it next time they they see a, you know an old film, a classic film and not only silent cinema even watching The Godfather now yeah that's old man that's classic already
3: (laughs) so dated to them right yeah
2: to me that's part of what was called modern cinema yeah it was modern Hollywood in the 70s you know the the Maverick directors like uh, uh, Scorsese and and, and, Coppola you know along with Coppola and, and George Spielberg. And Spielberg, of course. Yeah, um, grabe. no, that's you, why that's I mean, Hollywood. So
0: see, 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 that's the point of, of the why. Then you then when you know more about the why and the how, then you appreciate these people more. When you say their names, you don't you're just not name-dropping. You're seriously saying Coppola, Spielberg, uh, Scorsese. You know, these people are they're in the culture they're, they're they're pillars in american and even world culture world i would say world culture because their films transcend all you need is subtitles for a different language and people mm. will be like these are great movies man you know so it when it transcends just like rock and roll music that is good quality music that transcends you know the whole world listens to american music it's in English, man.
3: <laughs> you, know? Right,
0: right. you know, people, people yeah. in Denmark who don't, you know, Engli- in Europe, English is their second language. It's not their first language, no? So they have to exert a little more effort to listen to American music. But, you know, Phil Collins is, is super famous in France. Mm. What? You know, Susudio is really popular in France. You know, it doesn't matter and and, and, I, and I think in cinema as well it's the same thing if it's a mm-hmm. good film like like I remember when I saw let's talk about actual films now I, I want to nerd out um when I saw city of God the Brazilian film you remember that uh,
3: yeah
0: dude, that was and and the time that it came out see it's it's all about the time when you early 2000s also i think early 2000 or late 90s early 2000 yeah. maybe yeah. maybe 2000 or
3: 2001
0: yeah. but it was it was it was almost a documentary in how real it was you know and it was great and i did i only saw it on dvd because they never showed it in the theater in the philippines mm-hmm. because it's an international film mm-hmm. they wouldn't bother um so stuff like that you know i and then and then oh, another thing i wanted to point out that mu, that that new movie of uh, Soderbergh the uh, no sudden move the one that i saw last night the camera that he used was an old camera because it was set in 19 in the 1950s that's the setting of the movie so his camera um, on the on the edges it starts to blur. It start not blur but distort. So I don't know. I'm I'm not. I forgot um, because I I I, I, I I've
2: only barely came, come across the article on that. I I need to look it up. So I yeah I, yeah yeah I look yeah. forward to seeing that film. Yeah.
0: yeah. If you get a chance to see it, it's called uh, what's it called? Here, it's right here. It's on. In Soderbergh,
2: a- Soderbergh does his own camera. He, he, he's the cinematographer. I, I believe. Oh, this, really? He was the cinematographer.
0: Dude, he was oh, oh well, home several man. of his films. He was, well, he was, it was like, awesome. He was, he's, he's really good then because the opening scene is just him following Don Cheadle. And John Cheadle is walking down the street. And then they go into I won't spoil it for you, but it's great. He just follows the guy until until the, the conversation happens, the first conversation of the film. And we're like, wow, that's cool, man. That shot was so cool, man. And then uh yeah, and then like I said, that the camera is that the edges are are not just blurred but are already distorting. It's already bending. You know what I mean. So if ever you look up that article, that's what it is. And um, look at Yeah, man. And, and I'm glad. I'm really happy that guys like Soderbergh and then Steven Spielberg. Uh, uh, direct uh, directed uh, a new version of West Side Story. It's coming out in August, I think. Oh no, no, it's coming out in December. It's probably for Christmas. And it's like you're so excited because, like, that's a classic film, which was already great to begin with. The cine- mm-hmm. cinematography, the choreography is great, and now it's Steven Spielberg doing it. Like, you you can just imagine. It's like wow, paddy.
2: Of course, Spielberg yeah. is a the- you know, a, a true veteran already. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, contemporary of uh, Coppola and Scorsese and so on. But it's amazing. Uh, you really feel old when, when these uh, generation of supposedly new filmmakers were reinventing Hollywood also mm-hmm. in the '90s. You know, like uh, Tarantino and and yeah, Soderbergh. Yeah. Uh, or maybe even include Christopher Nolan now.
0: And also the one. director I'm a big fan of is Wes Anderson. Oh my God. Wes Anderson, you know, but
2: imagine they're old now. Yeah. (laughs) In the 90s, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the late 80s, I think 89 or so. uh, It's just interesting because there are now a lot of new young filmmakers and and of course, like like my young students, they would be more familiar with the, their generation. And
3: right, right.
2: Refer to a lot of these new films or or, or new directors that are being discovered on Netflix and stuff like that, and that's great, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm all for that. Uh, but but it's always good to look back in, in, into the early films of these. Uh, oh no, you have to look at the directors. Book. You know, like like I'm talking of this generation, like yeah. Sandra Anderson, Chris Nolan, uh,
3: Tarantino,
2: uh, Soderbergh, and you know, they, they were inspired by the directors from the 70s to 80s. You know? Yeah. Uh, you have with, to know with, the
3: roots. Raytheon Scott,
2: you know, even mainstream, very commercial cinema. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Raytheon Scott, of course, because of Alien and Blade Runner's early films. You know? Uh and, and and in turn these filmmakers, as I as we've said earlier, were of course influenced and they themselves admit. And, th- and that gives you the reason why the the older films are still significant. Because yes. it's good to look back. We're not saying we're not saying, hey, you know, young kids, make films like those filmmakers or make you know uh, make films like Godfather. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, there's value in looking
0: back. Yes,
2: those. these are the roots, and you can learn why these are the roots. Why these filmmakers you now idolize? You know, like like Tarantino is still a, a big favorite for a lot of young kids. You know, because Tarantino's brand is uh, anything goes. Yeah. He's lucky, actually. He's he's a very lucky filmmaker. I mean, a lot of critics have um, mixed feelings about it. Some critics would be very harsh and say he's not talented at all. But basically he's lucky because his brand is anything goes. Meaning the Tarantino yeah. brand, is, it has to be his way, or it's not a Tarantino film. Yeah. The, he found producers who believed in that brand. Yes. <laughs> that they have and, to and, let him lose, you know, because otherwise it's not a Tarantino film. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. I envy him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to find producers who think, hey, you know, Raymond should do it his way. And that's, that's what a Raymond Red film is. In, yes. And that's the trouble of every filmmaker, to find uh, backers, financiers, who will believe in,
3: in what you're Exactly.
2: Doing. I, I guess that's why I've remained an independent filmmaker all these years. I, mm-hmm. I, a lot of the movie industry in the Philippines know me. You know, I'm known in circles. But technically, I'm, I've never been a mainstream you're filmmaker. You're still an outsider. I've never been produced by... Uh, mainstream producers
0: yeah
2: you know, all my films have been produced through independent means independent yeah. support funding and, it, and even the it's making
0: a, it's i it's ironic that the uh, the the that the most independent director or one of the or one of the most or the, one of the original independent directors in the Philippines is has been invited and awarded and recognized by people outside of his country, it's it's just weird. I mean, it's all it's kind of a Filipino thing <laughs> that that uh, underground artists get recognized outside right. rather than in their own thing because the people there they they don't understand where these these alternative uh, thinking people are coming from because they don't yeah, they, you know they, because these deny. people don't they don't care about the why they just want the finished product
2: and they you know. I mean, and I—I I, I don't deny—I—I I, I use that to my advantage, of course, you know, because mm-hmm. because of the recognition, you you use that, you know, winning in Cannes, and and I always tell my students, but the 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 Palme d'Or in in Cannes does not define who I am.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: was m- me. I was Raymond as the independent filmmaker but since back in the eighties, you know. Yes. Yes. And that that is what defines me, but. But I admit, I, you know, it helps my career. The focus, the attention, the recognition will help, and you can use that. But I always say it's never the main goal. It's it's not, you know, it's, it shouldn't be your goal to win awards and so yes, on. But yes, it's a course. great bonus that it will help you move on and, and climb up yeah. the ladder because certain people uh, recognize that and and, and even put you up on a pedestal because yeah. of this yeah, which in a way is wrong, but but it helps. So I I, I don't deny appreciate that. You know, it's, it's, the thing it's is you have to focus on the cinema. You, you believe in this, and and I guess that's why I've remained independent. It's not it's not like I'm saying I, I don't want to work in the commercial mainstream. I always wish the big film producers. Yeah. You know, in the Philippines, you have uh, for a long time Mother Lily Regal Films. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. star yeah. cinema. You and gma Sample, Sample films and you know, so all these big studios the viva films are still the, the, the bigger companies yeah like yeah. Now. Uh-huh. now we have new companies like globe studios mm. and, and, and so i've always wished that companies like this could support uh, my kind of cinema but but i'm very specific you see i i, I, yeah. want to do the films I really want to do and they're all my own concepts and and maybe a lot of uh, financials find them difficult to produce, you know, the difficult material or sensitive material, or radical or whatever. You know? Oh, radical. Yeah. They don't no like that stuff. really see it. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's not that I don't like the mainstream, but I wish the kind of films I make can be made mainstream. You know? Yeah. And that's why I, I say somebody like Tarantino you know, is lucky because the, they, they found this uh, brand of filmmaking, Palatable and and marketable and, and saleable and that's yeah. why I, I backed him and then every independent filmmaker kind of dreams of that you know yeah. finding the patron and and yeah of course it's always, like, of it's always like it's always like that and I'm I'm still struggling I'm I I always say I'm still a struggling filmmaker right. but I don't see do that in a negative sense
1: yes
0: I
2: struggle with with pride I, with I pride. struggle to do only the films I really want to do. But on, on the other side of that, I, I'm very proud of my son. You've heard know, of my son, Mikhail. Oh,
0: yes, you know, yes, yes, David your
2: Red. son. Uh, wow. he's, he's more popular now. Yeah. A, a lot he, of, came out uh, of, he came out of nowhere, man. But when, when he was starting, people would refer... What's his name to again? To, Mikhail, oh, right? Mikhail Red. He's the son of Red. You know, Mikhail Red, right. Refer to but now... Uh, when people meet me, they say, "Oh, he's the father of Mikael.
1: <laughs>
2: that's how they will, when I'm being introduced, and they say, "Oh, okay, so so now they recognize me because I'm the father." Of the Miguel. father. Became... I'm proud of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, great. It's, a, it, 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 it's turned around now, so it's the next generation, and and it's amazing they uh, the generation of Mikael. you know, Mikhail. They started with uh, short films just like me and, and went into these uh, independent film festivals and then went from there to mm-hmm. international festivals and so on. It's very similar to the route I took, but at the, at the same time, there's more recognition now commercially and from the mainstream of these new generation of filmmakers. And so they, they have more opportunities. And that's why Mikael is now working mainstream. It's really fully mainstream. Mm-hmm. His films have been produced by Star Cinema, Globe Studios. Uh, he's now working on an HBO Asia project. Wow! So he's what, very mainstream. How old is he? Well, he's not that young now. He's twenty nine, <laughs> but oh, that, he started well, quite well, young. Well, for, he you, know, his short for years you know, for you know, in his eh? teens, and so he's, he's worked his way up the ladder. You know, he's, he's really worked hard. But he got a lot of good opportunities in the last, you know, decade. You know, mm. At least in the last five or six years, he's made really big, what, big strides. You
3: know?
0: what, are, what are the films we sh- I should check out from your kid? And when I say me, I mean everybody who's listening.
3: <laughs> he
2: was, in fact, the first Filipino film to be officially a Netflix original. Oh, which one? You know, uh, I believe it was Dead Kids, but his film Birdshot, an earlier film, mm-hmm. uh, which I oh think I was heard about Birdshot. I year. heard about that. Yeah. yeah, it's an award-winning film, and I it, probably, it was it was in the it. yeah it was submitted by the Philippines for Oscars consideration. Oh, back in that like, right, right? Yes, yes, yes. 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 2017 or so. I forget exactly. I remember
0: that. Yeah, I remember yeah, that.
2: Yeah, it's a very successful film. And then it went on to Netflix. Now, during that time, it was still quite rare to see Filipino films in Netflix. They hadn't really expanded that much in, in Asian cinema. They had a lot yep. of Korean, Japanese films. Yep. And so it was a very rare opportunity to have a Filipino film on Netflix. Now it's exploded. It's very commercial. They, they're buying whatever they can
3: buy. Oh yeah. 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 And
2: then of course they, they categorize them and they limit certain content, you know, like a lot of the Filipino films are actually available only in the Philippines or uh, in Asia. So they're only very choice film. So if you're able mm-hmm. to watch the Filipino film there in the States
3: from your account, right.
2: And that's quite a special film because that uh, means Netflix put it in the international platform. Yeah. Whereas other films are, there are hundreds already of Filipino films, but they're only available either in Asia or sometimes even just in the Philippines. Wow! So Mikael made those strides quite early on. And it's you know, it's quite an achievement. I I never achieved anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that's why my films have remained uh, alternative. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're the you're the punk rock daddy that you know, punk rock but, dad. Uh,
2: Anyway, right. I, I, I hope and, and I will bow down to streaming eventually. I'll probably that's yeah. why I'm I'm remastering my films. No, that's what. Yes, of course. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To re, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, restore, revive them,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: I probably will eventually put them on my own platform. You know, I have a website, Raymondbread.com. Uh, it's very simple at, at the moment, but if I have more funds, I might expand that website into a streaming platform of specifically my films. That would be great. So at least it's a niche market. I mean, if you, if you don't like me, then don't go to my website. Well, if that's you're the world curious world. about my films, then people will then go there. So it becomes a really niche audience because they're yeah. actually out there seeking you know, yeah, for my films, you know exactly. You watch. Know,
0: exactly. You know, you uh, speaking of that, I mean, like now it's it uh, for a time being. There was this um, on on YouTube. There are people who review things they about anything, you know, reaction videos. That's what they call them. Right, right. Um, and uh, I'm sure you heard about this. There were these two Scandinavian guys. I'm not. I think they're Norwegian. Norwegian or they're Nordic. They're two Nordic dudes. And they were reviewing... They reviewed Halik Nihudas. They reviewed a Greyhound song and I think a Slap Shop song, song that I know of and probably some other Filipino rock songs. And that was my. that's my point. You never know. These songs are old. These are from 1995. Halik Nihudas is from 95, And in 2020, 2020, 2019... These two guys from, you know, a Nordic country discovered that song because it was on the internet. If it wasn't on the internet, if it was, you know, just in the Philippines, they would have never discovered it. They would have never said that, ooh, because the first, the first things that they say is like, ooh, I didn't know that there was rock music in the Philippines. That's the first mm-hmm. thing that they say. So for them, it's already an opener. They become more interested, like, ooh, Rock music in the Philippines. That sounds interesting. And for Westerners, that's very easy. Uh, it's a very easy, uh, like, it's easy for them to get nerdy about that because they have, you know, they live in first world countries, they have the, you know, the means and the ways, whatever, to appreciate it. Um, and it would be the same thing. Like a Filipino would have to be, you know, more in, in, uh, You know, I wouldn't say classy, but but have some uh, some not really good taste, but expansive taste that you appreciate Indian classical music Mm. as well as Metallica, which which is me. But of course, that didn't happen overnight. I had to discover all these kinds of music and connect everything and say and then finally, like when I and then listen to Miles Davis and appreciate that and then finally appreciating Ravi Shankar and all of that. And I think with cinema, it's the same thing because then it's like, now I will have an appreciation for Citizen Kane, which I never did. I'm like, I'm not going to watch that thing, black and white, boring, whatever. Now I'm not going to have that mindset anymore. So, so, so yeah. yeah, I
2: tried to watch that newsreel, the, the things I described. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Every shot, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, some of the shots were uh, found footage or existing news footage. But some were recreated by Orson Welles, you know, wow. and they had to age the, the shots. The shots accordingly. So imagine to think of that the, the technical is the, mo- of aging is the, the look of the film.
0: Is there a specific era that movie is set in? Specifically in the movie, or okay. just general?
2: Because it's a long story, uh, it tells a story of um, uh, Charles Foster Kane, yeah. starred so, so- what year does From it start? Childhood, which is, say, I forget The 10s? the, the nineteen tens the 1910s or so? <laughs> Something 1910s. like that. Nineteen hundred. Yeah. 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 Early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. You know. uh, uh, because it starts okay. with the childhood, and it shows how right. he was adopted and okay. moved up and inherited money and, and, and,
0: and the f- and the films cartoon. and the films present era is what nineteen forty. In, in the 40s, yeah. In the, okay, right. Okay, okay, I get it now.
2: Or, or at least because it was released in uh, 41, like like the late 1930s, I guess.
1: Okay,
0: okay.
2: 39 or 40.
0: You know? So, uh, in,
2: in, in that news, real footage, you, you even see a, rec- a fake recreation, of course, of uh, Charles Foster King meeting up with Hitler. <laughs> when the Oh, Nazis really? Had on the rise, of course, in the 30s. Oh, wow. but, so, yeah. but just before World War Two. See, because oh this movie God. was finished in 1941, released in 41, you know, just before America got into World War II. No, so well, th- th- well, I'm I thinking find it interesting, even though the film doesn't uh, really tackle uh, World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it gives you a different perspective of what was happening then and how this character is placed on, on, on. You
3: know, I, you know what I think.
2: You know what I think it is. I
0: think because if that was made. That was made when? When did it come out? 1940? 41, yeah. 41. So it would, it would have been made in 1940, a year before, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming like mm-hmm. that, right? Um, well, oh. World War Two had started already. World War Two started 1939. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. The, the Nazis were
2: invading already.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, but then, so, but then, yeah. But then before the war started, I'm sure everybody knew already about Hitler. Everybody's probably yeah, saying, yeah. "Oh, this guy's he, bad news." He, he
2: was already on the rise. That's why. Yeah, that was, that's why it was part of the. You
0: know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nazis were already. Wow. invading. Uh, no, but Poland. I mean, even I mean, even before the invasion of Poland, everybody in the world was probably hearing about Hitler already. But there's right, this right, crazy right. guy who wants to start wars and stuff, you know. So, so
2: he probably. So even if that him. was just a snippet in in there. It, okay. it gives you a, a, a different perspective, really, of the political scene at okay. the time where this character is placed, and at the same time makes you imagine. Now, I, me as a filmmaker, start imagining how Orson Welles was probably thinking during that. Oh gosh! Can you, you just imagine that? Together, you know? the, Can you imagine it's, it's,
0: that? He was probably a, he was probably a pot smoker, man. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I really wouldn't be surprised if he smoked pot. He was funny. That's the 1930s. I mean, marijuana was still legal in the 1930s, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So um, anyway, um, so let's get back to movies to wrap this thing up. Uh, Okay. Let's just compare notes. Excluding, since we've been talking about the two films a lot, excluding The Godfather and Citizen Kane, what would be your favorite movies? I don't like to really say what are your top five but give me five of your favorite movies. It's always
2: difficult, yeah, to make a yeah, list. Yeah, I know, I
0: know. That's why no top, no number, whatever. But your, the your five yeah, favorite ad- movies uh, uh, ad- aside from the two. Yeah, admittedly, the, I, I I'm not even sure that The Godfather and Citizen Kane is on the list. I'm not. I don't know. It, they
2: are <laughs> Okay. Um, so, I mean, admittedly, we a lot of us, you know, in the Philippines, grew up with American cinema. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it was kind of rare to see uh, European cinema. I'm not saying it, it, it wasn't being shown, but it was a little bit rarer to see um, European, much less uh, Asian cinema, Asian international cinema. We were not so exposed to it, of course, uh, except probably for Chinese Kung Fu films. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh It was mostly American cinema, of course, that we were seeing in theaters, and then we would see reruns on TV. So definitely, I was highly influenced by that, and and that's why Francis Ford Coppola became one of my favorite directors, of course. Mm. Even uh, at an early age, I tried to watch everything, you know, Apocalypse Now, and then
1: yeah, and then later
2: on, when video home video became more accessible. You know, I, I, like I told you when I was starting in the 80s, even a copy of Citizen Kane was very, very rare, or even this one of my favorite films. Oh, 2000, yeah,
0: 2001, Space Odyssey. 1968,
3: yeah, you
2: know? Uh-huh. Uh, that was very, very difficult to find, you know? I mean, you would ask relatives from the U.S. to probably try and record it off, I don't know. Was HBO. A <laughs> or Yeah. Stuff like that. So so it was an effort, really. But, yeah, a lot of American cinema, um, and so these films uh, eventually influenced me. But in in, in the 70s, it's whatever you saw on the big screen or reruns on TV. I was highly influenced by a lot of B-movies and sci-fi movies, you know, that that were reruns on TV. Right, yeah. In the Uh 70s, you know, these cheap black and white movies and Roger Corman produced films. I Coppola himself was involved in uh, oh, And in fact, wow. I'm binge watching now. <laughs> I kind of got tired of Netflix, of serious films. So I'm now watching all these uh, B movies, horror movies, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vincent <laughs> Price movies, uh, watching it on YouTube, you know? Yeah. You know, they're free. So you can watch all of this now, again. Some I've seen before you know, as reruns, as I said, as a kid. And some I've only seen only now, you know it's, it's, yeah. it's amusing for me, just seeing you? really cheaply made uh, science, science fiction, uh, alien monster movies, you know? So. How about, um, okay, Here, here's a good but, query. But I, I guess I, I, I might as well mention it because I mentioned earlier, but uh-huh. I, uh, early on I was starting to get influenced by Filipino filmmakers, of course. Mm. I, I wasn't really watching Lino Broca's films in the '70s when they were being released. You know, I wasn't into it. A lot yeah. of uh, uh, Manila-born kids would be into American films, and like yeah, I said. Yeah. In '77, I thought Star Wars. Star Wars was the greatest movie ever really <laughs> yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I saw these uh, classic films, uh, but then I started watching them in the '80s, and that's why one of my favorites. And, one of the more influential directors to me was Mike De Leon, you know, mm. and uh, well, my favorite of his was "Kisap Mata," you know, mm. in the, in "Link of an Eye," yeah, uh, in, in English, uh, which has recently been remastered. I'm not sure where they're going to release that, but it's been remastered, I believe, in 4K resolution. Oh my gosh. His cinematography was great, and and in, in a way, I consider Mike De Leon and the cinematographer of that. One of my idols, really, uh, uh, Roddy Lockup, you know. Roddy um, They, I consider them mentors because I met them. I was so lucky to m- meet them very early on in the 80s when I was just starting out with Super 8 film. And I remember I even did a private screening for Mike DeLeon of some of my Super 8s, and you could appreciate it. And I, I kind of trained a little bit in their studio. You know, Mike DeLeon comes from the DeLeon family.
3: Oh, okay, right
2: LVN Pictures LVN uh-huh. Studios Yeah So they have a lab They have the studio So in the early 80s I was kind of Apprenticing there mm. And, and uh, Yeah so I, I learned a lot From Rod D. Laca in cinematography
3: And Mike De Leon
2: Who, who what the, Also does cinematography Himself What year did that Film come out? Well, Kisab Mata Was 81 Or maybe Made in 81 Released in 82 uh, remember right now, yeah. So so I did see it in its initial screening. Then because I was oh, okay. becoming aware of cinema and then becoming interested, in as a student, I started watching. Uh, in retrospect, already uh, Lino Broca films, which mm. were mostly released in this uh, mid seventies. You know when Lino had films uh, like In Siang or. Uh, um, um, Maynila sa mga you know, Oh, yeah, uh, that
0: one. Oh, my God. In, the, the, in, title, was, the title no, itself, man. the title itself is so
2: Maybe. deep.
0: You of know, Rome. it's like...
2: <laughs> so, they, they, they were the first <clears throat> films that were showing in in the director's fortnight of Cannes. And, and, and then, of course, there's Ishmael Bernal.
0: Yeah, uh, Galiaga.
2: You know, who had the Manila by Night. And, and then, eventually, he had uh, Himala, you know, miracle nor honor that went mm. to the festival I believe yeah then yes Beke Galeaga, even Beke Galeaga, I, I kind of uh, look up to as a kind of Orson Welles you know because to be yes. honest my only real favorite film of his is Oro Plata Mata which or is a film that really influenced me I mean I, I'm not saying he, he didn't do other um powerful films much later on but uh, they were not as uh, powerful for me you know, right for my piece. but uh we made yeah a lot of highly regarded films uh, but to me it was oro Plata it, it, it sealed his position in, in the legacy of Philippine cinema yeah
0: you know,
2: just by Definitely. that one film
0: you
2: know. yeah so it, it kind of like Orson Wells I mean a lot of critics say after Citizen Kane it was downhill from then on <laughs> <laughs> yeah Welles, you know. I mean, maybe there's some truth to that, but yeah. maybe it's unfair because he did do some really memorable, powerful films also after. But but there was a kind of truth in, in that saying.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He, he couldn't ma- uh, couldn't, he yeah. couldn't
3: yeah.
2: match it already did it. It's the, like the, a, the
0: iconic position. It's like my uh, my how I view. Um, Funk music, black music, which is funk, soul, but speci- spe- specifically funky music. and it's James Brown. He's the one who invented the funky music and it's already the, and already the bar is already at the top. So like, like like you said, it's all downhill. Everything that is funky after James Brown cannot equal that because James Brown is already the pinnacle of that. That's the bar, and he's the best at it anyway. So you can't beat James Brown anymore. Exactly. It's the yeah. bar; is there anymore? It's not like, uh it's not like uh, it when and yeah, it's emulated. It's it. He's the one. He's the he's the main guy. It's not like rock and roll had to develop from the from the blues merging with country music, and then Elvis and Chuck Berry and Little Richard and them had to record that kind of music first, and then. And then that first wave of rock and roll people—they all disappeared by 1959. they were gone in four years. So who came back? Uh, who who uh, for a time being it was all these uh, crooners, Frankie Valley, you know, "Put Your Head on My Shoulders." By doing music, you know, you know. And then a few 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 years later, the Beatles and the Stones come out, and these are the the bands who were influenced by the blues guys and the rock and roll guys before them. So it's it had to develop, rock music had to develop. And then after the Beatles, there was Jimi Hendrix and after Hendrix, there was Led Zeppelin. After Led Zeppelin, there's Van Halen. So it has to, it develops. Whereas in with funk music and James Brown, it's already invented and developed and patented. And that's it. That's the best mm-hmm. funk music in the world. Anything else is not—it's good, but not as equal to James Brown. That's how I'm understanding yeah. what
2: you're saying. Yeah, you to put it in music yeah, terms, you know. That's how a lot uh, many critics, international critics, uh, saw uh, Citizen Kane. You know? Wow, mm-hmm. that's so, early, yeah. palang
0: 1940, pa lang, That's it.
2: Of <laughs> course, there are a lot of changing views. So, new generations, yeah,
0: of course,
2: uh, have their own opinions. In fact, there, there's an annual. Um, not not really yearly. I think uh, well, the, the, many institutions do this. <coughs> you know, they have to come up with the best one hundred films mm. ever. You know, mm-hmm. which is kind of difficult, really, because, uh, as that's, I said, that's hard. Really, you know, all depends on taste and perspective. That's hard. And especially yeah. if you're talking about the whole world, you know? I mean, you you'll yeah. have
3: to have a uh, you'll uh, have to have a
2: view of the breadth of uh-huh, international cinema. It's that very difficult. You know. Yeah. You have to vote from critics and, and directors. I, I was once to, in a poll. I, I was invited to, to put mm, my vote put Oh really?
3: that before.
2: It's like if um, I was going to make a list like places. that, a list like that,
0: especially if it's of the world, there has right, to but, be that, that Lino Broca film, Cucu, you know, Manila sa ng Dinim or whatever, um, that has to be there. That film, at, at the very least, has to be there. Mm-hmm. And maybe and also... By or
3: international or...
2: critics, of course. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it's really voted in some international lists of the best films ever made. Yes, I know, believe it, it man. You know, the only one that usually makes it. Uh, I, I mean, as a Filipino. So ima- So uh, going I back... I was saying Citizen Kane always topped a lot, majority of like, oh, of critics the critics. For so many post. years. Yeah. Until recently... When I guess there are more, you know, there would be younger film critics now or established. So what what movies are they picking nowadays? let's say three or four decades ago. So Citizen Kane started to kind of go down in the ranking mm. amongst these, and you know, it's it's so a what, natural course of uh, what's so, happening. So what what is, what
0: is what's replacing Citizen Kane?
2: Well, uh, other classic films. There was, a, uh, of course, there's so many lists. You know, yeah. But, uh, some of the, one of gun, the major. Gun with the Wind. Oh, my yeah, God. one of the major lists, of course, they, they come up with that in Hollywood, I'm sure, in, in the Ambas American Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, but the one I participated in was by the British Film Institute, of course, very reputable, mm-hmm. uh, through, in collaboration with Sight and Sound Magazine, which is a major uh, film magazine. You're right, published by the British Film Institute, some 15 years ago or so, I was invited to, to contribute, and then again in their next round, I think some six years ago or so,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, and yeah, the, the the list was suddenly changing. For so many decades, it was always Citizen Kane on top. Uh, so there was a year, there was a time when I think Vertigo. Of uh, Hitchcock, overtook wow.
3: uh,
2: season game. and then there was a year uh, Tokyo Story, uh, the Japanese film, uh, uh, overtook the top placing. So oh. it's it's kind of shifting. So it's still kind of uh, leaning towards classic films, of course, because you're looking at right. uh, uh, really a breadth of you know, critics, <laughs> cinema, you know, from yeah. From uh, all these countries that were involved in making films, of course. So it's it really always it difficult to make on this. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not absolutely... They're, they're not written on stone, of course. But but just to see Citizen Kane for so many decades—that's an amazing achievement. I mean, it really proves that the yeah.
0: film stands the test of time.
2: Yeah, it, you know, it, it deserves its position there. I'm, I'm not yeah. saying it is. The best, right? Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. It will always be there. It will, it will always be studied. It will always be referred to. It's a, it's, yes. It's a staple for film yeah. students. It will be. Of, well, yeah. Film schools will require you to see exact, that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yes. It's like
0: it's it's it it's a rite of passage already. It's like going going back to music. It's like when when you have a young person. And you see their potential and you see that they like rock music, they like cool music, they like funky black music or whatever. And then you, you have to stop them in their tracks. It's like, okay, that's cool and all, but you got to hear Hendrix first. You got to hear James Brown first before you can listen to all of these people. You have to listen to those people first. You have to listen to Robert Johnson. You have to listen to Muddy Waters. You have to listen to the Beatles, the people before, and then, and then you decide what you want to do after, you know. And because you know that's it; it's prerequisite. You know, in in other words, it's like, and in cinema, it's the same thing. Orson Wells, Coppola, Scorsese. I'm 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 just naming the people who are on the surface. I'm sure, you know, there are other directors there that uh, I'm not even mentioning. Euro-
2: European directors. Yeah, yeah. European directors. And then yeah, and then... Um, um, so, so let me. All that, but the, uh, the the Hollywood directors always come on top because of course, top. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So let me let me ask you this, so that it's not in a list form and it, it would be much more personal, and I'll make an example of myself. What is a movie or movies doesn't have to be a lot that you would. It doesn't have to be a deep movie, whatever movie it is. But when it comes on on TV, it comes on by accident. You have to watch it because you it's like it, it is indirectly your favorite movies. Indirectly, you know, uh, subconsciously. For me, it would be Die Hard. That's how I am. Die Hard, man. I love that movie. Every time Die Hard comes out on TV and I'm not doing anything else, I'm going to watch it till the end. I know every line in that movie and I'll recite the whole movie while I'm watching it. Hmm. So in with you, what would be, what would that be?
2: Well, I, I've always uh, expressed my, my uh, obsession for Blade Runner. Oh, Blade shit. Runner, Runner. to me, it's a classic. It influenced me. It uh, changed me as a person. Really? <laughs> it changed my, my philosophy of life because it's about life. It's about existence, you know the 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 antagonist there, uh, Roy Batty,
1: you know,
2: mm-hmm. uh, the the replicant, the android. He left uh, a very you know potent message for me, you know, to, yeah, uh, in that movie, and it's it's really how to view life and how to love life in existence. So it's almost be becoming existential in 82. When I, mean, I stepped out of the theater watching that movie. I was a changed man. I was a wow. different person. Not only as a filmmaker, but as a person, you know, it changed my belief in life and existence. It, it, it was just amazing. So it, it changed me. I mean, some people, you know, even younger generation might look at Blade Runner and say, oh, there's nothing special about it. Yeah. But that's how I viewed it back then. And of course it, it has changed because of released the uh, different versions of it. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. They had a remake. the
2: director's cut until now. He, 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 oh, he no, and they made another one. They and, made the uh, modern one. Years, the final cut, They called it the final cut, the remastered version. But but essentially changing the essence of the story, mm-hmm. even though it didn't change much in, in the film itself. Just by changing the ending, he changed the story. And for me, I, I no. didn't like that. And of you course, know, was, I, people think of me weird, you know. Who are you to, to say that you know, uh, when the director himself was already saying this? Should yeah, be yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The 1982 version is his version as well. That was his version. He decided to release that version.
1: Yeah.
2: He he, he was under some pressure maybe from producers to, in changing his edit and so on. Mm-hmm. That was the original version that created the cult. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the cult for that film. Yeah. And so you cannot erase that anymore, you know. So, so even if we changed it now with the director's cut and final cut, to me, uh, the, 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 that's the iconic uh, film. The, Except, the yeah. 1982 version.
3: So yeah.
2: I, yeah, it's just like you. I've, I've memorized that. I can recite the dialogue from beginning to end of that whole, entire movie. Wow, but that's how I'm obsessed <laughs> I must have seen it over uh, over a hundred times. Maybe so two. if
0: it so it if it comes out on TV by accident, you're gonna
2: sit down and watch it. I still watch it. Yeah. I have the Blu-ray. <laughs> so I have the Blu-ray. I can watch it anytime I want. Anytime you want. I have yeah. the five versions of that.
3: Oh my uh, god!
2: Um, and then it's 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 available on streaming if you want it. You know, yeah, rent it online. And,
3: and yeah, watch but it.
2: when it comes on cable, very few people. will... Uh, I've retained cable here since, you know, streaming became popular. I, I still have cable TV. Whenever I see it, just like The Godfather, no matter how many times I've seen it, when I see it on cable, I get excited and sit down and watch Yes, exactly. It. And I think it brings us back to what we were saying earlier mm. about the experience of cinema. I yes. think th- that's the excitement about it because you like the film and it's the excitement that it's running. You know, on yeah. cable, you cannot cable. pause it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. That's a statement. It's like life. You yes. cannot stop or rewind it. And so when you see it on cable, I still get so excited and sit down yeah. and really pay attention and watch it because then you experience it in the next two hours or so.
0: Yes. Exactly. I mean. and, and when it comes out on cable here, there are commercials, dude. So I have to sit through the commercials or it's a, uh, you know, a, it's a, p- piss, a piss break or a snack break, but I'll sit down, I'll finish that movie until the
2: very, until the credits of Die yeah. Hards. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, well, going, just to add, uh, going back, because you were asking me what other films. Mm, uh, yes. Uh, the, I, I also like the films of um, Jim Jarmusch, especially his earlier films He's, you know he's an american independent filmmaker so maybe he's not as famous but he's made some part independent part mainstream films a little later on he's still Uh still making uh some films but a lot of his films of course are heard of mostly in film festivals but i like his earlier films uh in the 80s yes this one film uh called down by law so if you ever come across that you know, so it's, it's, it, it has a cult following you know? bound by law down by law in the 90s he made some let's say slightly more commercial dead man the title is dead man with uh uh oh, I'm, I'm having a mental block now <laughs> yeah it's okay uh you know th- th- these were the more commercially released uh, mm-hmm. Films, you know, with Johnny Depp.
3: Sorry, that's what yeah, yeah, story. yeah, yeah.
2: Johnny Depp okay. so you can say it's a more commercial film. And and yep, a lot of people don't know about it. You know, but Dead Man was the more kind of commercial, film. and he did Dead, a lot more. Dead, the, the Dead Man,
0: that that's the one with Johnny Depp. Dead Man.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. I'll but my
2: favorite of was his early films. He was a bound by so. bound by law. So he kind of inspired me because he's an independent working against the system, working. Against mm uh you know Hollywood and, and, and commercialism and so on, but you know he was trying to make small films, you know, and Down by Law was one of my favorites, you know, with with the young Roberto Benini. You know Roberto Benini. Oh Benigni. yeah of course yeah, I
0: know Roberto Benini. Famous
2: with uh with uh what's his Oscar winning film? <laughs> We're really getting old, Yeah. You know? uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You should edit this out. Don't I forget, man. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, about life. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see those early films. Um, yeah, man. Are you but, a fan? of independent films. So.
0: Uh, do you like the superhero films? The uh, Marvel, DC stuff?
2: Oh, of course. I, I watched everything. I, I enjoy a lot of the commercial
3: films. You know, I, yeah. I know there's a lot of debate about that. And, uh-huh.
2: And like it, like uh, last year, or two, a couple of years ago, when uh, when Scorsese made that statement that Marvel is not cinema,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, man. I I exactly. I was know, kind of turned off by common, that by that statement. And,
2: and, and that's a problematic because he, he's using the word cinema mm-hmm. with his own point of view and definition. Yeah. So there's no point in arguing, really, because those arguing with him have different. Definition of the word. Yeah. And see so that's what I said earlier as well. The yeah. word cinema is all all encompassing word, and you might define it in a different way. Exactly. And so it, it becomes problematic because he, he he wasn't bashing Marvel, he's just trying to describe it, and that's the way he found yeah. The best way he found to describe it that it's not cinema because he was defining cinema in a very specific way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cinema but is I a mean- classic cinema. Yeah, it's, yeah. Classic uh, storytelling, classic film language and stuff. So. And Marvel is a different, totally different experience. That's why you're saying it's it's almost like a uh, theme park ride. You know? Yeah, well, <laughs> it I mean, is. Nothing films itself is like. No, that. well, I mean, it really is. I mean, they don't,
0: I mean, they, they're not denying it. They're not denying that it's a serious, that they're serious movies, you know, they're, but they're seriously produced you produced like hell yeah, yeah. oh my god you know so yeah, i mean the art there is still the art is still there the art of filmmaking the art of acting is still there the everything is still there and the thing is is that they bring in the people in the, in the theater so it is cinema it is part of cinema i, I mean it, i mean it like again in terms of music it would be uh i would say Uh, Marvel and DC movies would be like, uh, the Bee Gees, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not exactly, uh, they're not badui, but they're also not that deep. It's very surface. It's very, uh, uh, easy to digest. You know, it's easy to dance to, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Whereas the Godfather is more like you have to learn how to dance the waltz the godfather is like the waltz. You have to learn how to dance the waltz or you have to learn how to dance samba. You have to learn how to do it. Whereas DC Marvel, you just take it in, man. You just enjoy the ride. Yeah, it is a, it's an amusement park ride, you know. <laughs> he was right about that. So, But right. the, the the thing that turned me off about that statement was the, I think ah, it's always the way you say it. It's always right. the way it comes out, you know, especially Scorsese, man. I mean, you don't have to say something like that. You're Scorsese. Yeah, you don't need to say something that cheap. It, you know, it sounded like a cheap shot to me. Um, it's,
2: yeah, that's why it was taken in the wrong context.
0: Yeah, and, it was saying, he yeah. should have
2: known that. He should have known that it will be taken in the wrong context.
0: Yeah. And
2: that's because, why he was trying to defend it later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that, that's the thing. Before you say something like that, there, there has to be real purpose and motivation for it. Mm-hmm. And, and so people would easily accuse him, no, your, your motivation was to insult. You know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's, you know, in, in, in a sense. But but at the same time, I, I I understood what he was trying to say. No, I definitely understood like, what he yeah, was saying. I, yeah. I, I love watching Marvel movies, but let's admit it. The way these movies are made, even though there's a director and a lot of us might credit, oh, he's a great director. You
0: know? Yeah
2: well-made movie and so on mm-hmm. well-crafted it, it's really a collaborative movie you know like like really a factory assembly line <laughs> movie yes exactly. not to say that's wrong but the point is that that's the manner it's made mm-hmm. they really precisely look at everything the visual effects you know, they, they even do reshoots if they feel this yeah or, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's how these movies are made and 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 knowing Scorsese, he, he cannot make a movie that way he, he does it, of course, with a script, but he's more organic and he has full control, creative control, and stuff like that. So he cannot do it, and and and, and so he sits in a position where I think Coppola was the one who, who said this in an interview, even way way back. You know that in a in a world that's really becoming, you know, moving towards democracy, you know, becoming more democratic, uh, more democratic now in the whole world. Maybe the director position is the only last uh, dictatorial position. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but but he's talking of a very specific kind of uh, position, you know, like hmm. Coppola did. Movies like uh, uh, Apocalypse Now, yeah. total full control. He, he even kicked out his co-producers. Or I mean, they left. You know, like yeah. Paramount or 20th Century. They left, and I said, oh, what the hell? I'm gonna produce this film." And he finished it through Zootrope Studios. He finished it. And he lost a lot of money, but eventually, of course, he, he got it back. Yeah, you know, he got it back. He yeah, Uh, and and that's a different type of filmmaking. So yeah, I guess that's what uh, Scorsese was saying because that's how he makes his movies. You know, mm-hmm. the, the financiers he he who favors him. Yes. Still believe in the, the dictatorial position of a director. Yes. Yeah. That's what the Scorsese movie is. He, he will yeah. decide on what he wants and everything. Not not to say that he's not collaborating. Of course, we have to give credit to the collaborations with designers, cinematographers, and all that. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: he, he's still there, like as like Orson Welles was back in the classic Hollywood uh, productions, you know, where he wants to sit as. The director, you know, the the, the the author, the auteur theory, which right. they always uh, argue about, you know, the French word auteur. Yeah, the, auteur. The, the author, that the director is the author. And a lot of mm-hmm. people argue about that. No, cinema is collaborative. You're putting uh, too little credit to all the other people
3: who work, you know, the actors and so on. Yeah.
2: But I I I, I don't want to call myself an auteur, but Maybe that's what I'm doing because I I only want to make movies where I, where I will have full control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. where I'm I'm not saying I, I'm and that's why I also do my own cinematography
3: so that yeah.
2: I wouldn't need to argue with a cinematographer on how to shoot it. Yeah, exactly. I I really have a very clear vision of it. Yeah, I can not do everything, but I have a say in everything else. I mean, design yeah. and so on. You know, I'm, I'm and be, I'm the same editing and post production, <laughs> I, I, I go through that. So yeah. So if you if that is what you call an author, then go ahead. But I don't like using that term. But but right. but yeah. the way I I understood what Scorsese was saying, yeah. but he said it in the wrong way. In the wrong way. Yeah, manner. he said it in the wrong way. Yeah. It really shows almost like a condescending. You know, well, he he word.
0: and exa- and he, and he comes from that that older generation where, they really take it seriously. Yeah, you know I mean really seriously. So he he sounded like a he sounded like a grandpa it's like grandpa come on man you know cool you know cool out man you you know (laughs) don't be too hostile you know we're trying to do our own thing here you know of course there's that there's that age gap you know of course and uh, like I said, I totally understood what he was saying, but I was turned off. It's like, why do you have to say it like that?
2: It sounds like you're yeah, yeah. putting it and down. He didn't have to say it, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he didn't have to say what it. I'm surprised he's that he did. now, in fact, because he's able now to cross over, bring mm-hmm. his style of filmmaking, and yet work with the new companies like Netflix. Netflix yeah. is back is its new film again, you know, so yeah. the Irishman and then this. Uh, this new film, I, I yeah. forget the title, but uh, he's, he's doing another one. Yeah. Uh, with with that approach, you know, he's sitting there as an auteur. So yeah. he's lucky. He's amazing. But but he doesn't. I guess he, did, he didn't have to say that. Because yeah. He didn't have to he didn't say yes. Like Transforming, evolving, and, and yeah. And that's what I was saying in, in, in again the beginning of this interview. You
3: know, that mm-hmm. I try
2: not to be uh, condescending or or right knowing you know when I talk about classic cinema to my students I, I'm yeah. just saying it's still significant it's great that cinema is changing and moving and you, you adapt to that and, and and do your thing right but mm-hmm. it will be helpful to know its roots you know that's basically what I'm, I'm trying to emphasize just knowing your roots whether you like it or not I'm not saying you have to like it I'm not saying you're stupid if you don't like it I'm just saying it's good to know it you know it's just like Learning about your grandfather, even if you never met him, you know, exactly. even if you dislike him, when you finally learn exactly. the about what your grandfather or grandmother did when
3: they were alive, but it's yeah. it's great
2: to know where where you came from, of and, course, and yes. how your family has uh, evolved, and you learn a lot from it, and that's why it's still significant. You know? So I, I guess that's the lesson we take from that.
0: And that's the perfect way to end this, man. Perfect, dude. Thank you very much, Raymond Red. Pride of the Philippines. Uh, check his films out yep. when he shows them. You can't see him online. You gotta go. <laughs> I to will. The I will
3: eventually.
2: Eventually, but uh, in I the hope, meantime, I hope I hope, <laughs> I hope they don't call me grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. Like man. I said, I'm not against streaming. In fact, I know yeah. I have to adapt to it, but I, it will take some time I, because I want to. Yeah, prepare my film. Oh, of
0: course, online. of course. You're 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 uh, you're an artist. You you're taking care of your art, so that's very commendable. But what you have done so far in your career is uh is commendable and something to be very proud of. So thank you very much for being here, man. I really, really, really appreciate
3: it. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. And please
2: check out also my son's films.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Mikhail, Mikhail uh, Mikhail Red. Just look for Mikhail Red. Mikhail Red, yeah. Yeah. uh, By the way, he was actually named after Mikhail Gorbachev. Yeah, I I had a feeling, man, yeah. When he was born in 91, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev was the big name in the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, You know, with Beres and then the Soviet Union falling apart. Yeah. He ended the Cold War, man. You yeah know, so. so he was a hero then and yeah was, yeah mikhail was named after him
0: that's cool man all right thank you sir very much i'll see you soon
2: great stay all
3: right. safe
0: all right you too man good luck with yeah. the second jab
3: <laughs> yeah thank you all right,
0: all right. peace Bye, man. everyone yeah. take care